Welcome, everyone. Your ears do not deceive you. It's a new episode of a new podcast in your queue. Yet, which queue it has shown up in is beyond me. You've entered a gaming audio vortex of sorts. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And welcome to this special Anthony and Shidoshi one off series special. We hope you enjoy what you're about to hear as we talk casually and shoot from the hip on the world of gaming, more specifically SNK, and whatever else happens to cross our minds. And it's a pleasure to be with you,、uh, Shidoshi. This is already like, way too produced for me. Like, I don't know what to do. You have to understand that like, when we do like, warning or EGM's podcast or anything, like, it is just so unplanned and mismanaged that like, I'm not used to actually rehearsing things and trying again when mistakes are made or, or weird concepts like that. So I'm, I'm already lost at this point right now. That's fine. Well, that's all right. You know, I'm a little bit weird in my mind, at least, and I don't know why.、It's, I always feel like I have to get a solid intro out, and then from there, you know, I usually go downhill. Yeah, yeah.、But. I mean, yeah, easy, you've listened to Warning. Like, I can't even remember what our introduction is 90% of the time. Like, I'm lucky if I can get to the first sentence and remember what it is.、Uh, but no, okay, so yes, we're doing this podcast. And、um, so I, I don't know if we get in the history of how this happened, but one day we, we were. Drunk at a bar, and we're like, we should really do a podcast, you know, that'd be cool. <laughs>、um, and so now we're doing it. But the, the thing is, like I'm saying, is Anthony is actually,、um, he has like schedules and planning and notes and things like that. And I can't live in that world. So I, I told him that I don't know like when I can do one of these shows. So what we're doing is we're going to try a show. See how it goes, see how people react to it, and then see if we can make any kind of commitment to doing it more often or not. Yeah, and I think, you know,、uh, first off, I want to thank you once again. You know, that, that sounds great. It's a pleasure being here.、Uh, before, before I continue, before we continue,、uh, I want to thank the fans listening once again、uh, from each of our respective audiences,、uh, whether that be from Warning,、uh, egmnow.com. Uh, smart video game fan,、uh, your offshoots on、uh, Persona.、Um, some people may recognize my voice from whether it be the Double Plus Good Games podcast,、uh, the recently performed Space Suplex podcast.、Uh, so our voices have been heard、uh, elsewhere. But,、uh, you know, as many people know now, Sh- Shidoshi's been staying very active in recent months.、Um, and that's just pretty much. Due to the whole wide array of podcasts you're on. So, if, if one of them is on hiatus, you've always got something going on elsewhere.、Uh, you know,、uh, as for myself,、uh, you know, Double Plus Good Games is still, it's still active.、Uh, we've just redone the whole site.、Uh, I want to thank the team and crew over there. And as a matter of fact, Shidoshi has been a guest on that show. He's an alumni、uh, at least several times. But、uh, nonetheless, we wanted to get together. It had been a while since、uh, people have probably heard my voice in the gaming realm and、uh, maybe even yours、uh, because I know a lot. I, I would say, I don't, you know, I don't know what your stats, I don't know what your figures are.、Uh, I could be speaking out of line, but I would, I would assume that some of your most hardcore fans come from the warning fan base. I would say, yeah, I would say so. And、um, yeah, it's, it's been a few days 
since we've done a warning podcast episode. And uh, I, I will say we're doing another one, and the next one is coming. <laughs> so um, I hope you enjoy that episode when it comes out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's weird because yes, the the thing I need to be doing right now is another gaming podcast because I just don't do enough of those. Um, typically, like in in my in my life, I do at least two weekly gaming podcasts. Um, the thing has been because so. Uh, just because we said we're going to start this off with a little bit of personal stories and news and stuff. Uh, so I do smart video game fan and that has had a couple of weeks of hiatus because of, uh, travels. And if you know anything about the games industry, you know that there's this, there's this thing that goes on before E3 that, um, people from the media go to. And so I was at that, uh, for one week. And right after that, I had a deadline, uh, for our print magazine. So, <laughs> because it's between the it's between when we were shown some brand new top secret games and when E three happens, we were able to get some of those games into our next issue. Uh, so there's a lot of panicking and last minute work on that. So smart video game fan got it kind of thrown in chaos for a couple of weeks, and with our EGM podcast, not only was that happening, but we're actually in the middle of moving our offices. Um, and our microphones are uh, in storage at the moment, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah, our, 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 our audio equipment and everything is, is in there. So the two things I do typically weekly aren't aren't happening right at the moment. Uh, but usually I have at least two gaming podcasts every week and then various other ones I do here and there, plus my guest appearances when people for some reason ask me to come on uh, and be guests. So. And I will say this, I guess we're, uh, I guess I love doing plugs, but yeah, that's interesting with the, the mic aspect you mentioned for EGM, because I do listen to, uh, the EGM podcast when I can. And I think the last upload was April 25th. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's, it's been a little while. Cause said it, 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 the, the problem is, so we actually, we're on now a three month schedule for the magazine. So we're quarterly basically. Okay. Um, and the the problem that you know with any magazine, if if you, if anybody out there has ever worked on publishing at all, is that you know with a website you get it done, you put it up, and you're, you're 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 done. But with magazines, you have this set date where okay, everything that's going in has to be in by this date. We send it to a printer, it gets printed. A week or so, two weeks later, it it gets it gets out there, you know. Um, and because of print schedules, you know, one you have this one day where. Every single thing you want to do in the magazine has to be finished by. And two, because of the way print works, even though you know it's a losing battle, um, you you try as hard as you can to have everything be as timely as possible. So <clears throat> the, the, the thing that really kills us for a little bit of inside baseball here, the thing that really kills us at EGM is that um, we do three-person reviews. So for every single review – well, that's not, that's, not, that's not true, but for most – of the major reviews we do in the, in the issue, three different people play that game and review it. So we have to, like, when you say, okay, we're going we're gonna to take the absolute latest games we can get to put in the issue so that we're timely, and then you think about the fact that we're doing 23 reviews per issue. Wow. And then, uh, so let's see. So then that means... That's about eight games a month if it's if you're on uh, quarterly, right? And, and eleven of those, eleven of those have to be reviewed by three different people. So there's like these this two week period before crunch time where 
irregardless of everything else we're doing, we have to have three different people playing and beating and reviewing these games. So it just it gets like crazy. Like it, it's it's just madness at the end of the the issue. And you know, people might say, you know, how can you not have an hour to record a podcast? But we literally don't have an hour to record a podcast because we are like from the time we have to, time we get up in the morning to like midnight, one, two o'clock at night, we are doing work stuff, like just nonstop for those two or three weeks before deadline, just to get as much stuff in as possible. Well, you know I mean? Yeah, and that's a problem. Like, I'll shut up in a second here. But, no, you're um, fine. No, just the fact that, like, you know, because, like, let's say we do a preview on a game, right? Um, we did, like, uh, I'll go back to what I did, like, a Saints Row 4 preview before it came out. So our next issue we're going to start working on will be due in August, middle to end of August, you know. I could do a Saints Row 4 preview, let's say, if, if Saints Row 4 is a new game. I could do the preview, you know, now, at the end of May, early, early June. And I could get it done out of the way. The problem is, what happens in those three months' time, you know? Like, by August, there could be completely brand new information that we didn't know about come out. There could be new screenshots. There could be new, entire new modes announced, whatever, you know? Um, so the problem is, is if we do too much stuff ahead of time, then... We, we run the risk of it being old by the time we go to print. I don't know if this can be disclosed on the podcast, but this is just me talking out loud. Have you guys considered doing more, quote, timeless pieces? We, we actually we, – we do try to do that. And that's one of the things we – one of the things that um, – so, I mean, for anybody who follows EGM, you'll notice for anybody who doesn't, might, might not. Um, early last year, I was put in charge of EGM. Um, and it's not gone bankrupt yet and it's not burned down yet. So that's two good things. Uh, so I was put in charge. And one of the things that I kind of implemented was I tried to focus us to do a little more of a timeless nature to what we do. Um, because that's actually, that's actually what I've always believed. Uh, I've always believed that, you know, even back in the days of working at play, even way back at game fan was like, like, my thing with magazines, I, I love magazines, and I know that people think they're dead at this point, but I, I absolutely love them. Um, my thing was that when I get a magazine, my favorites were always the ones that I wanted to keep forever. Right. You know, it's like, okay, this has stuff that even a month, two months, six months, a year from now, this won't feel old because it'll, right. it'll be telling me something about this game or about this company or whatever that is interesting and not just, you know, timely and so we we do as much as possible try to do that so when we do like a preview we say okay instead of just saying we're going to go the game informer route and you know announce all these new features because game informers monthly they have industry contacts way beyond ours because they have like four plus million subscribers you know that's like i mean i was looking at the, the ipad stats for for magazines on the ipad subscription wise and Game Informer had like two some million uh, subscriptions on the iPad for a digital version, and they were saying that Game Informer has more subscriptions than magazines number two through number twenty-five combined. Wow! Yeah, which covers a whole wide gamut yeah, of. So uh, should, yeah, you're talking like like Vogue, Time, Wow, like Cosmopolitan, all these kind of things, and then they have more subscriptions than the twenty-four. Next wow. magazines combined. So if you ever wonder like why Game Informer breaks all these things, 
that's why. They are this force of nature that cannot be stopped. You know, So for us, we can't do that. So instead of saying, okay, I want to take this game and, and you know, reveal some big thing about it, we, we try to say, okay, let's look more into the development of the game. You know, Like um, you know, talk to the team, do interviews, and try to get more into you know, what the thought process was in making the game, where the inspirations came from, um, why they're doing things, where they're doing it, you know, things that like, you can come, you can come back six months and read it and, and you're like, okay, that's still interesting. Uh, this is going to sound so wrong and, and maybe I shouldn't say it because you're much deeper in the industry than I. So these, this is coming out of my mouth and I don't mean this as negatively as it's going to sound, but getting back to your passion for magazines and collecting them, uh, let me preface with this game informer. First off, I hadn't had game informer in about three years. The last time I had a Game Informer subscription, I think was around the time they reviewed Vanquish. And, you know, in my mind, if it didn't get a 100 out of 10, I was going to be upset. (laughs) So I stopped for a while. And look, I'm not going to lie. I still go to GameStop because I live down the road from one that I've literally been shopping at for about 22 years now, as horrible as that sounds. And they finally broke me down and I subscribed again recently, like maybe two months ago, just to, to shut them up. And I got a call, I got the uh, Fortnite issue and the Batman issue. And look, I'm not going to lie, there was some good information in there. There was there was more unique and stronger content than I remember. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to steal a term that I that I learned a few years ago from someone else that I technically worked with for very very short tenure. But I'm going to steal his his uh, here's the jab. You know, Game Informer still feels like it's printed on Auto Trader, and the thing is, is look, there's some quality there, but the funny thing is, is I just, you know, every now and then I have to go through my stuff, siphon out some stuff, whether I need to recycle, get rid of stuff. I kept every play magazine, all my game fans that I can. I have like old mix zines. There's certain stuff I have in special magazine cases. My two recent issues of Game Informer went in my shred bin at work. Mm. Now, look, I know that sounds disgusting, but like I got to make decisions and I got to make choices and I kind of feel like you. There's certain stuff I want to keep. There's certain stuff I don't. Uh, Now, there's a publication I'm always kissing their butt in recent years from overseas that I I don't – I've yet to toss any of them and that's Retro Gamer. Yeah. Out of the UK. The UK does some fantastic work when it comes to game publications. I mean you have Retro Gamer. You have, I mean, I, I really like Games TM, and I'm always just shocked by just how big that magazine is and like the paper quality. Um, right. Edge, like them or hate them, you know, they're they're a they're a pretty cool magazine. Right. Um, they do some like really cool stuff over there. Well, I just you know I just took it to another level, uh, which I don't need to do pushing my mid thirties, you know, acting like I'm 16. And I just signed up online, and now I'm able to order stuff directly through Imagine Publishing. Ah. Now, the reason I did that is because one of the publications that I usually get, I can still find one of their main products locally. Mm-hmm. But when they do their special editions, which I love, they do like maybe once a quarter, like the big two to 250-page books. Uh-huh. Those have been getting tougher for me to find around town. And I did a guinea pig test last month, and I ordered their latest one, which I've yet to see around town. And I did receive it successfully. Hmm. That took from the point of purchase, processing time coming from the UK. I had it shipped to my work. I got it in about 21 days flat. That's, I mean, that's not. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, I look at it this yeah. way. Waiting 21 days is better than never. Yeah. 
You know, I did, it did, uh, and it's interesting. I hadn't done an overseas purchase since my eBay days over a decade ago. And when you order, it does like the conversion rate and all that stuff through PayPal. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. But uh, anyway. Well, you know, let me, let me be fair to the Game Informer for a second. Um, like I said, they, they are, I mean, they're a different, they're a different beast, you know. Right. They are the, we are monthly, we are trying to break stuff. We are more the timely kind of thing. We're not necessarily the magazine you keep forever, you know. So I mean, they're they're just different skew, and and I think the 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 absolute. I mean, the best thing about them, and I've met the game former guys, and they're 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 great guys and gals. Um, is is that it would be so easy for that magazine to be just a complete shill catalog, you know? I, I mean, with, with the subscription base they have. With the fact that it is so tied to GameStop, it would be so, so easy for it just to be a throwaway product that didn't try. And they really put out a good effort to make an actual quality magazine versus right. something that they're, that they're bundling together with their, their you know, used game card thing. Do, do they – let me ask you this. Are they in a situation where they kind of have to kiss GameStop's butt? I, I don't I don't think they do. I, I I don't you know, I'm I'm really interested in like how the magazine fully came about because I mean you would think that someone like GameStop would want a magazine that just shilled for them, right? You know, I mean that, that makes sense as what you would want. Especially if you're it's a magazine you're giving away with your with your point card thing. Right. The you're right. Yeah, I mean there's gotta be some sort of uh, gimmick or catch there. And and I agree with you, I'm not knocking the magazine uh, per se, the, like I just got done saying, their content and their, it has really improved. But from a business perspective, yeah, I don't understand. You know, there's, I don't know all the logistics there. I guess right. So you know? You know, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But they, they, to, it would be very easy for them to, to not be a valuable publication. So, I, I, if if nothing else, if absolutely nothing else, I got to give them credit for that. Um. But you know, like I said I'm, I'm 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 really picky because I make magazines. I'm very picky about what a magazine is, right? Um, and so my my first thought is, you know, what I'm doing good and bad for my publication before I even get to thinking about what other magazines do, right? Um, so it's weird. So it's like kind of like when I read other magazines, which I don't do so often anymore, but when I do, it's kind of more like okay, just let's see what the competition's doing, or, or not even that, but like. Let's see what other people are doing and, 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 okay, what design ideas are good and bad? You know, like what, what's, what's the current trend for certain stuff? Because magazines are tough. I mean, it's such a finicky market at this point or fickle market, I guess, um, because, you know, people expect everything to be for free on the, on the Internet. So, Right. I mean, hell, people, not to get off on a tangent, they want everything from movies to video games to all content to be free. But uh, it's – it's um. This is like getting worse, getting so far off the tracks here from what we're talking about. But it's it's like you know, I mean, it's. I was thinking so like Sony just announced that they're changing PS Plus, right? So that every console gets two games a month now for sure. Yes. So you get two PS4 games, two PS3 games, and and two Vita games, and um, Microsoft just uh, you know started up their Xbox One games with gold. Uh, program, so they announced the first two for the Xbox One, and they also said that for June, 
Xbox 360 owners will get three games instead of two. Um, and I just like, I'm sitting here thinking, it's just like, I mean, as much as I love the fact of getting free games through these services and stuff, it, I almost wonder if like, that's not kind of at training people in a bad way. Yeah. Like they expect like, Hey, I'm going to wait for plus or, or hopefully this will hit plus at a certain point and I'm going to hold off. And I tell you, it's plus is working. I would say like, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, um, you don't hear me talk about it a lot, but that's because I'm spoiled. <laughs> mm-hmm. But plus as it is, is, is a phenomenal piece. And I'll, I'll give you a random story. A very random. There's a place I go across the street. They sell like teriyaki chicken one of the workers there I noticed recently, I was looking, and I was like, what the hell? And I never noticed he had like a Mega Man tattoo. <laughs> so I didn't really know how to open up the conversation. I know this is going <laughs> to sound so dumb, and I'm like, oh, big fan of Mega Man? <laughs> and he's like, well, I got a tattoo. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then I opened up the conversation and asked him, like, oh, you know, the, the guy that created Mega Man is doing a sequel. He's like, oh, he didn't know, and this and that, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, the, the, we opened up a conversation in gaming for a few minutes, and long story short, he was naming me some games, and he goes, oh, yeah, I played this, and I played this. Yeah, it was because it was free on PlayStation Plus. I got a PS3. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, cool, but right there. So I'm like, oh, shit. Because, you know, you could tell, even though he had the Mega Man tattoo, you know, he wasn't like a hardcore gaming junkie, so to speak, and he was into the old school stuff, he said. But the words that came out of his mouth were PlayStation and PlayStation Plus for free, you know? And it's, it's real. I mean, it's, it's weird that I'd be sitting here bitching about free games, but it's it's like <sighs> – because we, I mean, for good or bad, we we are having this, this generations growing up thinking that the game, things should be free, right? That they just go online. And get <laughs> you're reminding, yeah, you're reminding me of how the generation is, uh, uh, they're entitled, right? You know, and and <laughs> now we have these companies that are directly saying, here, we are going to give you these free games. You have things like I just bought the the new Humble Bundle um, because it's 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 uh, RPG Maker. And RPG, uh, RPG what makers, is Humble Bundle? So Humble Bundle is the thing where they have like indie games, and they're saying like, okay, if you donate to charity, you get all these free games. And the initial swath of games, you could pay, you you pay what you want for the for the first block, and I think that even means you could pay like one cent if you really really wanted to. Um, and then it says, okay, so for this current one, it's like an RPG Maker. So the first block is RPG Maker. Uh, it's weird because it's VX Ace, uh, and then RPG Maker DLC Bundle One, and you get this game called Skyborn, and then this game called Sweet Lily Dreams, and then RPG, Mund- Bun- RPG Maker Free Games Bundle One. So, a bundle of four games that were made in RPG Maker. So, this is the initial bundle, and you you basically can just pay absolutely what you want for this for for this bundle. Then, if you pay if you pay six dollars. Then it gives you this next big list of, okay, this is what we're going to give you if you pay at least six bucks. And they're giving you like the previous version of RPG Maker and then some extra packs for RPG Maker and then some extra games and stuff. And they say if you pay $12 at least, we'll give you this extra bundle of games. Um, So RPG Maker, let me see if I can get this real quick without taking up too much time here on the podcast. I was looking to see like, okay... Now, realistically, I am probably never going to actually touch RPG Maker as much as I want to, you know, because it's just it, it to actually make a game like you're OK, I'm going to sit down today and make a game. And like you sit down and you spend like eight hours doing it. and You have like one character that moves like five spaces. Okay. Um, but so I'm sitting here looking at it. So RPG Maker, this this one that I got, 
Typically, if you want to buy it, it's 70 bucks. Just for the basic pack of RPG Maker VX Ace. Now, not to be rude and cut you off, my, when I think RPG Maker, that originally started on PlayStation 1, right? It actually, I, I'm pretty sure it was before that. I think it was actually like a Super Nintendo game in Japan. Oh, really? But they, the first time it came over here was the uh, PS1 version. Now, what is the, what you're discussing here for the charity this, one? This is the same series. It's just this is the latest PC version. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So typically, this RPG Maker VX Ace by itself would cost sixty nine ninety nine, and through this bundle, you could come on here and pay one dollar, and you would get that game plus other stuff, like in 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 the basic bundle pack, and. The idea behind the Humble Bundle is that you know it's for charity, so you're going to have some people who are going to be little cheap asses, but you're going to have people who actually will donate some actual money. Right. So, like, I went on here, and I ended up giving them 20, 25 bucks. So I got the entire big array of stuff. And I paid over what I had to because the, the top price was $12. If you paid $12, you got the entire list of software for this week. Mm-hmm. So I gave him 25 bucks, and even then, though, I'm kind of like, well, you know what? I could just pay $12 and get the whole thing, you know? But I'm like, but it's, it's for charity, so I'll at least give him 25 bucks. But I'm still, I'm still even paying $25, you know, that one game by itself was, was $70. And I'm getting all this other stuff in, in addition. And so it's, it's, you know, if you talk to anybody who, who does a lot of Steam gaming, what do they always say? They're going to wait for Steam sales. Yeah, right? that's true. Right. They should wait for the Steam sales and buy it then. Like, I, I, and this is the kind of complaint that's leveraged against, you know, um, iOS gaming or mobile gaming is like, now that so many games are a dollar, like, what is the value of a game? Yeah, I got into a deep conversation with an, a friend from my past from many, many years ago and reconnected with him several months ago he still lives in town long long story short but uh anyway that was one of the topics we discussed and i was asking him for insight and advice and just in direction in terms of like side endeavors and side projects i partake in like this and uh he you know he used to be a hardcore gamer you know he's still a gamer but you know we're going back to our middle school and high school days and that was a big aspect of the topic of uh the 99 cent games you know and and you know, I still have that old school mindset and, you know, kind of defending gaming in a sense. I'm like, well, you know, sure, you can spend 40 or 60 bucks and get a dud bomb of a game. But at the same time, you know, there are products out there where, you know, when they hit the nail on the head for 60 bucks, you're getting way more. I mean, the experience you're getting is uh, hours upon hours and of content and enjoyment. But you're right that that dollar, that 99 cent, you know. You know, he's like, well, you know, I can get this on my phone. And, you know, I always remember a term he used now. We, I got into the topic of handhelds of Vita and 3DS. And he's like, well, he considers those for gamers now. Like, those are luxury devices. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, for the gamer that, you know, really needs to have certain titles or t- to have that type of gaming experience. But the bulk of the market today, it's all, you know, iPhone and, and Android, which kills me. I mean, and I then, get, you know. And I mean, like, like I, I go, you go on, I know, um, I got it during a sale, but I own, uh, the iOS version of Dodonpachi. Oh, okay. Yes. The cave shooter. Yeah. The, the cave, the cave shooter. Um, so I want to go down, I want to see if I can find, uh, Kemushi Hime Sama. Let's see how much this costs. And I'm going to say it's, I'm not, I'm not cheating. I'm going to say seven ninety nine. 
Yeah, see, I bought it so I can't actually see the price, but I, I think it's like seven ninety nine, eight bucks, you know. But we live in a world where that seems expensive to us now, you know. And like, like you see an iOS game for like eight dollars, and you're like, "Ooh, wow, that's kind of that's kind of pricey," and that's like scary. I mean, it's scary yeah. that that we've gotten to a point where mentally, like, we make that kind of connection that okay. Final Fantasy uh, 4 right here on iOS, $15.99. Well, I got one for you. I'm waiting for you to say it. It was just announced in the last 48 hours. I, I took a look at screenshots in the store just out of curiosity. You ready? Uh, I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead and say it. Dragon Quest 8? Yep, yep, Dragon Quest 8. $19.99? $19.99. And, and by the way, anyway, be, be, before you get into the price, just, just looking at those screenshots and make me weep. Like, I'm just, I'm, it makes me so sad but that's the world we live in now. I mean, I mean, I, do you know what I mean? Like, I just, it's just like, I see those shots and I see somebody playing Final Fantasy, I mean, uh, Dragon Quest Eight, not only with a super tall screen, but with these like fake touch on screen. Oh, right. Virtual and controls. And I just want to cry for where gaming is at at this point. Right. But that, 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 that them doing that though, is probably the most legitimate business you know decision they can make right now that that makes me so sad but yeah but like like 20 dollars for an ios game seems crazy expensive now because we've been trained to think other ways and as much as like people might hate free-to-play games like part of me can't blame companies for going that route because we've we've driven them there to some degree you know, we, we, you know, uh, people, gamers have said that they won't pay certain prices and they want everything for free. So I can't blame companies who are like, you know what? Okay, we're just going to make our game free to play. I hate it. Yeah, I do too. And it's because my train of thought is that, and this goes against our conversation, you know, I'd rather spend 10 bucks on a game or 20 or whatever and no ads, no microtransactions, just give me the full experience and leave me alone. Yeah. You know, instead of there was a couple of free to play games I tried within the last year on my tablet that looked pretty cool, like building sim type dealies. And I'm not kidding you. I took them off the tablet within anywhere from the span of 10 to 30 minutes (laughs) because there were so many like, oh, you can do this faster or buy these coins and do that. And I said, get out of here. Yeah. Now, now to, to be fair. Sometimes it does work because I own, um, I own, I guess I downloaded uh, Hearthstone from Blizzard, and in all my time of playing that game, I have never once run into a situation where I actually felt like I was playing a free to play game. Uh, one of your uh, co-hosts on Warning is addicted to it. Really? It has to be Casey. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'll have to get. I'll have to friend him. Yeah, I believe he's been playing. I don't. I don't have Hearthstone. I got. I, I'm not even going to bore you with my story. But yeah, I know he's been uh, playing that. He's been enjoying it in his uh, free time with the with the kids. You know, no, like, like like seriously, like like I play it and like I I you can't tell it's free to play, and that's the kind of game I like. You know, or I mean, if I could play Fantasy Star Online too, if Sega actually cared about us anymore. I saw um, some guy going wild. Actually, it's Hell Pockets. I'll tell you exactly who it was. A gentleman, he usually does the announcing for King of Fighters at Evo. He does awesome announcing, I think. Uh, anyway, I follow him on Twitter, and he was going off on a rant maybe a week ago about Fantasy Star Online 2. 
And I don't know if it was confirmed by Sega that they're not bringing it here now. Or he was going off on a tangent about their the social networking, the amount of likes they have, which was actually a lot. But then I don't know if he was saying like maybe Sega thought it wasn't enough. And then he was going off saying that the person maybe handling the page, they weren't doing their, you know, like not doing their job because there's tons of people that want to play that. He was really going off on that for a while. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's utterly ridiculous. But I mean, like from what I understand, their, their kind of idea is like, okay, you pay for things like, um, you know, cosmetic stuff for your character. And that, 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 that's, a, that's a nice area where I, I can be okay with it, you know, because um, I think that the idea of free-to-play can, can actually work because, you know, as much as you or I might, might say, okay, Bayonetta 2 comes out, I'll pay 60 bucks for it and not even think about it. There's a lot of people who are like, $60 is a lot of, lot of money. I can only get one game every few months, you know. I have to be very careful about where my money goes. And when a game's free-to-play, there's absolutely no fear of trying it out. Because you just download it, you right. play it, you see if you actually like it or not. The problem gets to be, like, the example, like you said, where it's, it's hey, you could, you could, you could uh, wait two hours to take your next <laughs> turn. Or if you give me a dollar, you can do right. it right now. You know? Right. Like, like, okay, think about think about you're playing like a new King of Fighters, right? And you do, do like a power dunk, and it's like, okay, you can do your next power dunk in 45 minutes, or you pay me 25 cents, and you have another, another power dunk back. You know what? I could almost bring this right back to <laughs> we're on the topic of SN, getting ready for the topic of SNK. Yes. Perfect example in a new release within the last few weeks, and it does somewhat similar to what you're describing. Metal Slug Defense. I've been so afraid to even try that. Um, download. It's it's a freebie. I downloaded it. And you can make progress without having to pay. But there's certain items or certain members you can... Uh, I guess it would it be called a tower defense game. I guess so. But here's, here's the other thing, though. And I noticed this. And I, I'm going to say I'm going to pick on the Japanese for this, maybe. Uh, a metal slug is another perfect example although it, it is fun it's another perfect example of a title reusing assets that have been around for years and just rearranging them and adding new key art whether it be on the menus or title screen but the game content itself is pretty much take a metal slug game crack it with a hammer and then like re and put the pieces back in different order like and you know like manipulate what you can with the controls to make it seem new right you know what i mean right um i don't know how i well i do know how i feel about that but and, I, and i've seen that i'm seeing that more and more and it it, it upsets me i've never known snk to ever reuse assets for anything <laughs> but you know what let's talk about snk in in a in a nicer time in a happier time in a simpler time, because that's what we're here today to talk about is SNK. So let's not talk about what they are today, which is this SNK Playmore, whoever they are. Let's go back, and I want to know. So th- just to be clear for everybody listening, this is not going to be a history lesson. This is not, this is not going to be, you know, <laughs> we sit here and give you the full details of, of, of who SNK are and their business practices and, and what year they did what and things like that. This is... Because I know, I've heard, I guess I should say, I've heard Anthony is an SNK fan. Uh, not that his Twitter handle gives him away or anything. 
Uh, I am a long-time SNK fan. Uh, helped in part by one Mr. Nick Rocks. I, I was already SNK fan before him, but um, his fandom kind of rubs off on you. And so we just wanted to do a show about SNK. Uh, for those who either don't know who they are and don't know what they've done or those who, like us, love them. Uh, and just kind of go through it like a fan perspective of what they've done over the years and our feelings of what they've done over the years. Um, so what is your first memory of SNK? Like, like, where would you say you first came upon them in their games? I had a feeling this was going to come up, so I, I actually thought of this. For myself, and it's, it's positive memories, I've got to say uh, a Carry Warriors. Mm. Uh, Carry Warriors uh, got into that in the arcade scene, uh, probably around 85, 86. And then the one, the SNK, from a visual perspective, is as silly as it sounds now. The, the one I, I still remember to this day, the first time I saw the arcade cabinet, uh, I was still living in New York. It was at Nathan's on Central Avenue. Uh, they used to have a really great arcade room in the 80s. And I saw Victory Road. Ah. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the visuals. I couldn't believe the sound. You know, that talking head, the first boss talking to you. You know, like the bazooka weaponry, just the whole the, the alien look to it. Uh, was really awesome, and I remember wanting that game to come home so bad, and I was so thrilled that you know the sequel did come home on NES, and I did get it. But I mean, you know how that was in the, in that era with NES, con- you know, home conversions, you know, more times than not, much different than their arcade counterpart. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't like. It, it was it was a weird era because yeah I mean for anybody who like I mean it's for for anybody you know was listening who's younger like they can't even comprehend this because they don't they don't go to arcades you know they don't they don't play games outside their home unless it's on their iPhone or whatever you know uh, but it's it's funny thinking back and just that that the era where you know we would play this amazing arcade game and then at home. It would be just something totally different, uh, and one of my one of my first examples of that, not SNK, but was Gauntlet because I was a huge Gauntlet fan, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting for it to come on the on the NES, and it finally did, and it was a totally different game. It was nothing like the arcade and everything, um, and so, you know, at a later date, this would become a big big factor of who SNK were as a company, but uh, for that time, yeah, it was definitely like you you weren't necessarily getting the the arcade experience at home but snk was kind of this company where like you i was introduced to them to the arcades um so remember with, with 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 you know ikari uh they had it was it was just this this thing that stood out to you because they had this this joystick and i i believe there was two different versions of the arcade machine there was one that had this and one that didn't have this but the ones i always played had this joystick that you would actually twist it. Yeah, the twist top. Yeah, the, the top top of the joystick would twist around like kind of like a, a clockwise or counterclockwise, and that's what actually turned. And I'm trying to think. Okay, it was it was Paul, and what was the other? See, guy? you have a good memory too. Yeah, the arcade in our time, I think, it was <sighs> Vincent Paul. Yeah, it's Vincent Paul because they they would change names later. Right. Um, but. Or no, okay, I'm sorry. Actually, I guess it, what it was, what it might have been, was um, the 
the outside of Japan named for Vincent Paul. Right. And then they got synced up later on or something. Uh, but so, yes. So you would actually turn the, the joystick clockwise or counterclockwise to aim your Vint or your Paul uh, when you were playing. And I remember like all these games in this era that were kind of like that because there was like Heavy Barrel. Um, there were Time Soldiers. And there was just like this weird... And, and yeah, we could go Commando, Guerrilla War. Yeah, like like it, it, it seemed like a lot of times, you know, in in arcade games, there would be this 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 kind of wave of very very similar games. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's like like once one hit off, because back then, you know, games would be made in way way shorter time. So I think like one would get popular, and then companies would be like, okay, we we need like our version of that game. You know, um, so I remember playing like like. Ikari Warriors in, in the arcade. I remember seeing Victory Road, um, Guerrilla Warfare, I think I saw. But I only got like a, a little bit of exposure to SNK in the arcade. And then it became SNK was the company that made NES games to me. And, and so I, I think I played like a lot of their games on the NES that were also arcade games, but I didn't really understand that they were arcade games. Well, their their big one for NES and that was uh, I would say wouldn't you say Baseball Stars? So Baseball Stars was one that came along, and that was definitely a a, a big one for them. Um, but they had like now I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna sound like a smarty pants, and this is only because I did some homework recently. Otherwise, I would have completely forgotten this. Mm-hmm. A title that gave SNK some notoriety on NES, and it was an exclusive only to N- to NES, and never went anywhere else. Uh, and some people perceived it as better than Zelda was Crystallis. Yes. Crystallis we, have, we absolutely have to get to. And it's funny because like, I was looking down the list of NES games, and it shocked me because there's only uh, – and whether or not Wikipedia is right, but 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There's like 15 games listed. And I was sure they had like way, way more games than that because when I think back, like for – Playing NES games, like there were certain companies that you remember just as having tons and tons of games. There was Capcom, there was Konami, right? Uh, and Konami, of course, with Ultra Games as well, you know. And then I think, like, after that, for, to me, one of the big ones was SNK. Like, I feel like SNK had just tons of games. Either the well. Uh, you know, and I can't speak for you, but, I, you know, either it was that feeling of tons of games or just the feeling of going to arcade, playing their game, seeing a logo, and then coming home, you know, and seeing it enough that you felt like S&K had a presence everywhere, so to speak. Well, and, and let me ask you this, guys. I think this is part of it, too. Um, I think part of it was when you saw an SNK box – you knew instantly who's who, what, what company it was from, and I think that was a big deal in this because you think about Capcom, right? Capcom had a very, very distinct box style. Whenever you saw a Capcom box, you knew this is a Capcom game. Uh, Konami, absolutely one of the top companies when it came to box art. They yes. had that that gray box with the yes. stripes. Yes, you instantly knew, so it registered in your brain. I think that's probably the reason why I think of SNK having so many NES releases because, like, you think about, like, other companies and they kind of just had, like, random, more generic boxes. So they wouldn't necessarily stand out as much to you and you wouldn't think about what company they came from. So I think there's, like, like, it was this distinct visual style of the box and then maybe think, okay, this is an an SNK game. 
versus, you know, uh, I'm trying to think like, uh, you know, Hudson or Tecmo or some of the other companies. Like, I think like I didn't necessarily notice what company they were from as much as a company like SNK. Yeah, this is a, this is kind of an interesting aside because, you know, especially for me being in. OK, so look, we'll just come out and say it. I was born in 1980. So. My experience with the Akari Warriors in that era came around 85 to 87-ish. I, I started playing games when I was around four. The point of all this is is that you know Japan did rule the land at the time during that the, the mid-80s mid and up. But um, – um, oh, I'm losing my train of thought. But um, I – yeah, so I the, the interesting thing is that I played a ton of SNK games, Capcom, Konami, but that was at a time when I was young enough where I didn't – like it wasn't like I associated like, oh, okay, like I know this game is going to be quality or have a chance of being better quality since it's by them. Right. I don't think that was solely the case. Right. I didn't start putting that – like, but later on I started to learn when I when I started to get older and then look at, oh, okay, this this – company develops a game and they're the creators and then i started to realize and put two and two together i'm like wait a minute that's kind of weird i noticed all these games i like come from the same few companies you know but yeah i mean yeah it's just just funny because i said i I just i just always in my brain that they had released more nes games than they actually did um so okay so baseball stars you mentioned baseball stars uh a very early baseball game that like one of the first that really had stats tracking yeah. and basically like that that would i mean like i was never really into sports but it's funny because i feel like back in that day like it was easier to be into sports games because they weren't as just hardcore simulation realism kind of stuff they were just more like a casual sports games because I know another sports game that SK released was Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf, and I loved that game. I for totally some forgot about that. Yes, <laughs> uh, but so Baseball Stars would going to be huge. Of course, the the Akari Warriors they had the home port of Guerrilla War. Um, they had Iron Tank, which I, I played, and I, that was really cool. Um, Crystallis, you mentioned Crystallis. Yeah, and another one, um, and I remember I was so excited because I got it cheap at the time. Uh, POW. Mm. You yeah, yeah, so the, yeah, so they had yeah. a lot of uh, like military kind of based games. Right. Now, look, as adults, you and I now looking back, and even in articles that I've I've researched on too to to connect the to reaffirm. You know, you look back on it now, and it's easy to see the the military aspect or the hulking, the the uh, the the muscular heroes. You know, that's all the era of the Schwarzenegger movie, Stallone. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, I don't know, a piece of me, it's kind of it's kind of fun to relive that and, and the excitement of that. But at the same time, I also feel like I contradict myself sometimes when I pick on today's market of the FPS and what's going on today. Because in all fairness, you know, I think as adults, we learn that each generation goes through kind of the same thing and things go in cycles. Whereas, you know, we're sick of the we're sick of the FPS right now and maybe the Western style RPG. You know, in our day, we had the you know, we had the top down shooters, the clones all inspired by your 80s over the top action movies. And, uh, you know, side scrolling, maybe, you know, your shooters that were inspired by your space invaders and, you know, or, gri- or what about platformers? Think about think about how many platformers 
especially ones based on like movie licenses. Like there was an era where if they made a game based on a movie, it like it, it seemed like there was like a law that said it had to be a platformer. Uh, you know what? And this is probably a, a this could be a whole topic for another day. I will say this: the genre that surprises me the most that. Uh, it didn't disappear because you still get some examples here and there, but I'm shocked at how the platformer isn't as prominent as it once was in gaming. Yeah, no, it's it it, it is it is funny because yeah, it has not, not disappeared, but I mean, for for people who are like younger today playing games, they again they just can't comprehend like what it was like in that era when platformer platformers were the first person shooter, you know, they were just the gigantic, the, the big, bigger than anything else genre that if you said there was a default to go to for making a game, that's, that's where you went was a platformer. And, and it's shocking. Like, because I see the, pla- you know, I see the platformer different than shooters and other stuff that, you know, that comes and goes in cycles, whether it be the fighting game, your old school style, you know, side scrolling shooter, your, you know, stuff that may not be perceived as mainstream. But I always feel the platformer is, quote, money in the right hands because the games can be friendly. They can appeal to a wide audience. And uh, it's almost a lost art with the exception of Nintendo. And, you know, Sony has some first parties doing that kind of stuff. But I, yeah, I don't want to go off on that rant, but I have no idea how the platformer has virtually how it's how it's not prominent anymore. I, I think, I think part of it is just that when we went from 2d, 3d, like it was really hard to figure out how to move those games over, you know? And I think, I think those games, either they became action games, they became adventure right. games, they became third person shooters, you know, they, they, they branched out into other genres. Because, like, Cause look like Contra, right? You say, okay, Contra is technically a platform back in the day. You know, nowadays, Contra would probably be a third-person shooter. Right. If we were making a new Contra, it would make sense to make it like a Gears of War or something like that, you know? Yeah, Where, I mean, that, yeah, that tears me apart, but I, I know what yeah. you mean. Whereas, you know, Sonic, Sonic became this kind of, well, whatever, whatever, whatever <laughs> Sonic is, it became that. Right. You know? um, Fist and North Star, Okay, technically it wasn't. I don't know if I call it a platformer or not, but it was a two D side scroller that could kind of be called a platformer. That became like a Musou game or something. Like that, right. You know? there, there's so many genres that now those games fit into. Whereas back then, because you only could do two dimensions, you were either top down or you were side scrolling, and so it was just easy to to put everything into that side scrolling uh, mold. Okay, Castlevania, another great example. Castlevania has now become like the kind of God of War esque. The adventure game. Mm. Mm. Well, and you know, like, and and like, I've been really struggling with this, with, with this lately, and I don't want to sound like jaded. And nostalgia is always a very, very dangerous thing, but right? I, I part of me is kind of like, you know what? I really miss the old days of games because I, I miss I miss the era when you know when we could have a company like SNK. And they could release all this crazy stuff. When we had a company like 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 Konami, who could make games like Goonies, you know that that seems ridiculous, but it ends up being a totally awesome game. They could make shooters, and they could make their Metal Gear, and they could make their sports games. Like, right. 
I, I, I kind of, I kind of miss the simplicity of, of, of the past in, in, in some weird ways. And I miss the simplicity of graphics and part of this came up because I'll let you talk in a second. Oh Sorry. no, that's fine. Not to step on you, but, uh, on NeoGAF, they did this thing about like, post your favorite eight and 16 bit cities. Like, like just when you have like backgrounds for, for games that, you know, would scroll by in parallax or whatever, there's like, okay, post, post shots of like your favorite 16 and eight bit cities. I'm just looking at these graphics and I'm like, you know what? The games back then had just so little to work with, but they did so many interesting things with that limitation. And, and there was just this kind of like warmth to, to all that stuff. And I really miss, I kind of, I kind of, I mean, I love my Dark Souls and I love my uh, personas and all those kind of things. But part of me misses that era when just things were simpler and companies could do absolutely crazy things with staffs of like five people and it wouldn't bankrupt them if, if the game failed. Right. And I think, you know, I think maybe a more fair statement so we don't get caught up in the nostalgia. I think a more accurate statement may be wishing that companies took more chances still. Yeah, yeah, took my chance. But maybe, you know what? Like I said, this is one of the reasons why I love the DS so much. Because the DS reminded me of the NES. And where games could be just these, like, these simpler kind of things. And they'd end up be this big... Like, I'm not going to say its name. But I was playing a certain open world game recently. Um, that tries <laughs> to do a lot of different things at once. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I miss the days when games didn't have to be this. You know? When they didn't have to have like 800 different kinds of side quests you could play and all these different options for, for where you could go and what you could do. And it was just, I get my controller and B shoots and A jumps and I just play through it. Like, I, I, I kind of miss that in, in some ways. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head for real, but a, you can always tell when a game is genius when they can keep it to just a couple buttons, but throughout the game, make those two buttons a whole hell of a lot deeper than, you know, like a jumps, B shoots, but depending on your situation or vantage point, you know, they can do a lot more depending on, you know, like different animations or how your character reacts. But when a developer can keep things that's, you know, simple yet deep at the same time is when it's, when I think it really clicks, you know? But so, so Crystallis is a good example of this. Because SNK today would never make a game like this, I don't think. I mean, even even like in the era of uh, PS One, they were trying, they were still trying some like weird things. Yeah, first one that comes to mind because I saw it in an old E three, and shockingly, I never picked it up, uh, but wanted to. Codelka. Uh, yep, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, but so 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 Chris also like this kind of like this, this Zelda take off, but strangely like like kind of dark. And kind of serious because it's it's this it's this man who is in like cryogenic sleep and he's like asleep for for hundreds of years and he wakes up and it's like post apocalyptic world and you know you're going through and like seeing like kind of the ruins of Earth um, and it was like like I need to go back and play this someday because it's like it was really really interesting and it was like kind of that game for you'd played and beat Zelda and you were looking for like that 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 new experience like that. Right, I, you know that, uh, and you know I I took a look at it recently, and ooh, it, it has aged. 
But, you know, as we know from that time frame, it was more about the gameplay and, and what, you know, was offered at the time. But but Crystallis, you know, as old as it may seem now or dated, you know, they were really that it was it was literally a Legend of Zelda at that, you know, at that time. So I think he has these all these NES releases and at um, so. Okay, so Crystallis was 1990. So around the early 90s, they were they were still doing NES things, but they also around this, around, around that time they started working on this new idea for an arcade system. Because the thing back then was, and then, I mean, still some today, but um, you know, arcade games. If you got a new arcade game, you'd literally just get this gigantic circuit board that you'd put into a machine you know or you'd get like a um gigantic kind of piece that you'd plug in or or, or whatever and so i think had this idea because i think i think the i think what it was was you know they they had done some things in the arcade they were they were doing their home things but like you know we we want to kind of become a bigger company arcade wise uh so they had this idea to make this system where the arcade machine itself would have cartridges, which at, at the time was a crazy idea, like having cartridges in an arcade machine. But so they would have a system where you could have um, a circuit board and it would have, let's say, a one slot, two slot, four slot. I think I think there I, were, were, there, were there eight slots? I, I want to say I thought there were six. I thought it was one, two, four. Four and six, I six? thought. Okay. Yeah. So they had this idea for for doing this arcade system this way um, that would end up becoming this thing called the Neo Geo. And I, I'm I'm trying to think of like what my first experience with Neo Geo and arcades was. Um, but you know, be, be before you answer, like I'll kind of say that like I tr- I remembered that. For some reason, it really stood out to me, and I don't know if it was because it was one of the first times you ever saw a system where you could actually pick the game, because you know up to this point, typically an arcade machine was was one game. You went up to a, you know a, a cabinet, and whatever was in that machine was what you played, and so you walked around your little arcade and you looked for the, ma- the game you wanted to play. You walked up the machine and played it. But also, there was these these red cabinets that typically where you'd see like you know, side panel artwork for us for a certain game didn't have that. And then these little marquees that like, okay, look, there's two games in the machine. There's four games in this machine and you could pick what game you played. And it was like a crazy idea. Uh, yeah, it was uh, crazy, you know, as to, to kind of go over some of what you said, you know, enticing for arcade operators, you know the the swap out of uh, what would have been, I believe, at the time the uh, MVS carts. You know, a new game comes out, a few hundred bucks or whatever, or whatever they were charging at the time. Swap it out. They don't have to replace the you know the circuitry or the whole cabinet, and they've got new you know new content for gamers and and making money and away they go. And it was, it was also uh, yeah, it was also a way for companies to like know that. This is the hardware you're making a game for, you know, because um, I, I don't I don't have enough knowledge about arcades as I should. But, you know, back in the early days, you would literally whenever you want to make a new game, you would literally make 
hardware based around that game. You know, every single game that you came up with had its own custom hardware. Right. Um, and I don't know at that point, like, how common that still was, but with the Neo Geo, it was, okay, you know exactly what the hardware is, you know what it can do, you know its specs, so you can just, instead of worrying about making your an entire new system for just your one game you want to release, just make a game to these specs, we'll put it on a cartridge, we'll sell it to these arcade operators, they can just pop it in the machine, and, and, and your game is suddenly there. And you could, one of the nice things was, you could have a game that you know, may or may not be super popular, but you could have that in a, in a, in a machine with a game that was popular. And I remember, I swear, at one point, I, I feel like every single Neo Geo unit I ever saw had uh, Bust-A-Move in it. <laughs> that, yeah, that may have been a few years into its cycle, but... Because at a certain point, that game just got so popular that, like, I swear, every single Neo Geo unit I ran into had a, had a Bust-A-Move in it. Um, but so you could have, like, a Bust-A-Move... And then you have a game that was just totally weird and bizarre, like a Blues Journey or a Windjammers, you know, or a Super Spy. Um, so, so like, you know, before we get into, like, obviously the era that most people know SNK for, their fighting games, like, what were, what, what were you kind of like, what were your feelings on, on, on the Neo Geo? Um, either, well, let's stick for now for our, our Arcade. So what were you feeling like on the arcade Neo Geo experience? I, I saw it when I if I'm if my memories aren't fooling me, I saw it right when it came out, but I was still rather young, still in New York. I moved out to the West Coast when I just before I turned eleven in late ninety one. So I did I do recall seeing the Neo Geo at that old arcade room I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I I wanna say the first title I saw was Nam seventy five. Mm. It didn't do much for me at the time. Like I, you know, big fan of Operation Wolf at the time. Kind of, you know, I played some of that, but I was more into the uh, brawlers and whatnot. But I do remember seeing the Nam seventy five. I may have seen Magician Lord as well, and you know, I I thought it was cool, but I'm not gonna lie. I don't remember pumping money into it or getting addicted to any of that. But it didn't take long. You know, I had interest in it because. I did know I did at least have the know the the knowledge at the time that it was SK and I'd like their stuff from uh, Carry Warriors and and all the stuff we mentioned earlier but as time went on and then you figure you got to figure right around that time 12 13 as I hit that's right around the time that Game Fan started mm-hmm. and then it was then it became a little bit easier to learn about what was really going on and what was coming for this hardware and and then, uh, you know, th- things things got more exciting. Then I then I knew what to look for. Let's put it that right. way. So my initial impressions were: I saw it right out of the gate. Uh, it was cool, but within maybe twelve to twenty four months after seeing it, I got smarter, and then I knew more stuff was coming and better stuff was coming. So then that got me, that got me into it. You know to you know, going back to local arcades out here and looking for certain titles, you know, I, you know, it saw the Neo Geo everywhere from whether it be the local arcades out here, whether it be Wonderland or local McDonald's. I remember seeing at one of the McDonald's in town. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how far you want to jump ahead, but the, I'd say the game, uh, that really blew it open for me on there was probably Samurai Showdown. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get the funny games in a minute. Yeah, 
Um, but I, I think what was interesting was that when when you first saw the Neo Geo, it's like okay, this is like you gotta realize that you know, Anthony, you you were still relatively young. I was still relatively young in my teens. You know, like we weren't to the point where we were thinking, okay, what, what hardware is this running on? You know, like what is the cartridge situation on right. the side? And like, like you didn't think about like, the fact that it was like <laughs> cartridge based machine. It's like okay, I'm just walking up to this arcade game and I'm playing an arcade game. You know. It just so happens this, this lets you choose, which was cool, but you didn't think about it. So to us, it was kind of like, okay, this is just like another arcade machine, you know? So, I mean, I know the early games, you're saying like Magician Lord, um, there was Nan 75, there was Cross Swords, uh, Blue's Journey, uh, League Bowling, Super Spy. So there was like an interesting variety of games. Um, Baseball Star was like the first Neo Geo Baseball Star before it got to be the number two right you know so there's like an interesting variety of games and and they were pretty cool oh how did um, i forget i know outside what am i stupid so after the nam and magician lord i say the first one that's right the first one i probably put some time into though from that era just going off memories the original fatal fury yeah yeah that's right uh yeah because that came in 1991 uh and that came along with like sengoku and Super baseball 2020 uh, Alpha Mission, Ghost Powers, stuff like that. Oh, King, right. King, of the, King of the Monsters was a big one too. Um, but so, so these were interesting. But something happened that that kind of, at least for me, blew my mind about these games. Um, so in 1991, SNK says, "You know what? We're going to release the Neo Geo as a home system." And you start seeing in, in your EGMs or your game fans or whatever, your video games, computer entertainment. Uh, you Ooh, know, I haven't heard that one yeah. that name dropped in a long v- time. VG and CE. Wow. With, with the worst covers ever for wow. video game magazine. He <laughs> um, started talking about the, this Neo Geo home system, which which ends up being called the, a- the AES is the, the term that gets used for it. Right. Uh but the thing is, it's going to be the exact same game. This is insane. Yeah, this was absolutely insane in this concept. This is really hard to drive home for. Right. It is, it's so hard for people who are younger to understand why we are making this a big deal. But at that time, and especially like, I mean, okay, so the, the Genesis was was when? That was, that was 89 in the U.S., I dare say 88 in Japan. So, so we, were, we were a little ways into having um, uh, 16-bit. You know, so we had kind of seen Genesis. We, we had seen the, the early Super Nintendo stuff. So we, we knew what 16-bit was, and, and I, I would say, at least, at least for me, I was, I was smart at that point to know that they were good, but you still really couldn't do, like, true arcade games. Uh, no, and I'm going to be a real uh, nerd here real quick. You know, speaking of the Neo Geo and the Genesis, one of the main chips in there are the same in both. I think it's the Motorola, the X68. I think it's the 68000 chip, which was very common in the 80s. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah that was a very common chip for, for a lot of systems. Um, but that's only part of the story leading up to what you're going to say because, yes. with yeah, Genesis was 16-bit, but – so so yeah so I mean so so we were we were used to kind of these these better games like you were seeing like Genesis games like oh this is awesome you know and and we had played the Neo Geo in the arcade and 
it said again, there was just a very clear distinction between what was a home game and an arcade game. And you just you did not expect them to be the same thing because you just knew that the arcade machines were thousands and thousands of dollars for these machines, you know. And the Genesis like a, I think a hundred, hundred like almost two hundred dollars, like one eighty nine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, uh, so, so you weren't expecting the same thing. But also, in case cases, we're going to bring the Neo Geo home. You're going to get the same games in the arcade, and that was just mind blowing to think about. So all of a sudden. I was at the arcade looking at these games, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I can have these at home," and that was just that was just baffling. Like because you weren't supposed to own like arcade machines, you know, you weren't supposed to own arcade games. You weren't supposed to have things at home that could compete on that same level. So this idea is amazing and fantastic. You're going to have an arcade machine in your home, um, but then. We find out the price of this thing. Oh yeah, and I mean we're we're blazing through this here, but yeah, I mean yeah, this we're, we're, yeah we're, we're pr- price. I mean the hopes and dreams, the the unbelievability of getting titles with sprites and and color color palettes and scrolling that's not to be believed at that time, uh, and took many many years for other hardware to catch up and oh, still yeah. had issues mimicking it. But the, here's the, next, the catch: the next the next generation of consoles that came out. Still had trouble, yeah, bringing perfect versions of SNK Neo Geo games. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and a lot of that comes down to the, all the extra memory they could add. But, but the big, the big catch that everyone's waiting for is coming right here, and that was the price. So now I'm 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 confused on price because I've seen different numbers for the actual launch price of the system. So I've I've seen everything from it saying that it launched at five ninety nine, right. To seeing it launch at six forty nine, but I mean that that's only a yeah. I've got difference. I've got six hundred in front of me, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. That's that's not saying it couldn't have been six fifty or and cert- it could just been like a certain bundle that came right. out or or whatever. But so this this system hits, and I mean to be fair, at this point we've kind of had enough um, five ninety nine launches that we don't think it's insane. Oh like, no, you I mean, may you may be not, not to be rude. Um, according to Wikipedia history here it, in the U S, the launch debuted at six fifty. Okay. Okay. That was known as the gold system. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Because there were two different versions. Yes, there were there were indeed two different versions. Um, so, I mean, like people still mock systems like the PS3 for hitting at five ninety nine. You know, but we we've had that. We've had the three DO. We've had Neo Geo in that price range. So we're not completely shocked. But but at that point, <laughs> at that point, that was unbelievable. That was like I was in I was in early high school. I'm thinking at this point, um, and my brain could not comprehend that price because not not only not only was a system six hundred to six hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, and that's not even the main catch. That might have even you might have even been able to convince yourself of that yes, aspect. Yes, each game, <laughs> each game was at was two hundred dollars. Yeah. Or, or more. Yep. I mean, and, that, and, that's. I'm trying to. How, how do I even? How do we even put this? That's like. How much are PS3s right now? PS3 is three three ninety nine. No, PlayStation Three right now. Oh no no PS3 is. Uh, it's still kind of expensive. I think it's it's it's. Is it like 
two ninety nine or uh, two forty nine. Okay, or because or maybe the twelve gig set without the the core. I think it's like two hundred yeah. bucks. Maybe you yeah, could probably get a deal for like two hundred bucks bare bones. Sure. So so think about that. Getting this a console a Neo Geo. This is like in ninety ninety one. And each respective game is costing you the price of a, a modern day console. Can can you? I mean, can you can you imagine that you're you're back there in 1991, and you're like, let's say you, you let's say you save up all your all your lawn mowing and paperboy money, <laughs> and you're like, I am going to get this this Neo Geo. I am going to splurge on myself. I am going to get this amazing console. You go to your local Babbage's, you go to your software, etc., and you go to your, your child, children's palace, and you say, okay, here's, here's my $650 for my Neo Geo, and here's my $200 for league bowling. Mm. And you get home, and you realize you have paid $200 for league bowling. I, w- I would, like, shoot myself at that point if I was somebody who didn't have money. Because, like, like I, look, at, at the time, granted, there was, still this, the, there was still the aura of I am playing legitimate arcade games at home. That was still amazing. But let's be fair. Not all the games were amazing. Like, oh, when, no. we get, when we get to what we're going to talk about, you know, when we get to, like, the... Samurai Showdown 2s or the King of Fighters, you know, or some stuff like that. That's when you're like, okay, I, I, I overspent on this, but I don't feel like I hate my life now, you know. <laughs> but you get to like, uh, you get to like, uh, like a, a you, super spy, right? That takes you about an hour to beat. You get to like a league bowling. You know, you get to a, a mutation nation. Wow, yeah. Like that had that had to have been rough for some people paying that much money for some of those games. Now I want to ask you because um, th- this is where I can say yes. So I want to see what you say. Did you ever? Did you ever in your life buy a Neo Geo game at full price? Do I have to answer? Yes. Yes. Really. Interesting. Because I mean, I mean, because my answer is yes too. <laughs> That's actually shocking me. I uh, yes, I yeah yes. Now okay okay so yes. so so we're saying at least two hundred bucks, possibly two ninety nine because I like I feel like I paid two ninety nine for mine, but I think I think I ordered like Japanese version that that might be why. Okay, so so you paid at least two hundred dollars for this game. Now, now was it, was it one game or was it more than one game? Oh my god! Are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm like, this, this is like, I don't know what to think of you anymore. The fact that you're there's a hesitation here. Like, okay, once unless unless you are something like Nick Rocks, like once you can once you can forgive, once you can forgive more than once. I don't know. How many times did Nick do it? Oh, I'm sure he all of them. I'm sure. But okay, okay, okay. So. Well, uh, the, here's the difference. Let me, uh, uh, and I don't know how I could squiggle back out of this. <clears throat> Nick still gets the crown because he probably did it like what in when did he own a Neo? 
Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he owned it from from when it came out. But uh, but so, okay for 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 anybody who I've done it more. I'm afraid I don't want you to keep asking me, but I've done it. I've done it more than a handful of times. Now, now wait. Are, are we talking about like 200 plus? Or are we talking about like just buying it like at a, at a reduced price from somebody brand new? No, these were these were no. So 200 plus. <laughs> I, I I may be able to redeem myself a little bit in this conversation, so I'll say two things without getting too far ahead. There was a short span of time, maybe over the span of a couple of years, and obviously I was working. I was in a well, I'm, as an adult, this was not in my younger years by any stretch. So in the very late early two thousands, very early two thousands, I got a bug up my backside. And I wound up getting a modded, like a Neo off Neo-Geo, that Neo-Geo.com. And I wound up buying some titles over the course of two to three years. What I will say without getting into all the details, I did wind up selling off my collection not incredibly long after getting it. Um, So it was more of an experience. A lot of what got me into it maybe at that time i'd always wanted a a neo but the talk of like snk capcom and all that stuff coming there was still a decent wave of titles coming so i was a neo owner at one point uh i would never do it again and i as a matter of fact for people listening my suggestion to them is also not to do it. <laughs> the only the only thing I can say for as it happened though, like the Neo wasn't dead when I got it, but it was it was at the end of its lifespan. During its lifespan and when it was active, the only story I can tell is I had the money. This is before I was like 16, 17. I had the money ready, saved up, and I called the import shop and I was all set to order a Neo Geo CDZ and that would have been a reality except when I called they didn't have any and one thing led to another and it I just moved on like either I went back to my Saturn collection or or I got a Saturn or or, yeah I went back to my Saturn and then imports but there was a legitimate time while the hardware was alive that I I should have been a Neo Geo CDZ owner, but it didn't pan out due to inventory. That's when actually the first time I remember about getting into Game Fan was was Nick was sitting there playing his CDZ, um, and I, I never I never contemplated getting a CDZ because I guess I I kind of heard like just the horror stories about the loading. Yeah, so did I, but I still thought the trade off, at least you know at the time, would have been worth it. Mm-hmm. What, what, not to get off topic, what, what do you remember seeing of that? Because my experience is more from obviously as from the outside. You had an in at the time and a little bit different. Obviously. Well, I mean, obviously the biggest thing I remember about that, of course, was the Samurai Shodown RPG. Because that was, that was the one game that you could absolutely not get anywhere else, you know, at least at that point. Right. Um, I, I think, I think, because I mean, wait, that didn't hit. It it hit later on for like the PlayStation and Sega Saturn. PlayStation, but... Saturn, and Neo CD, and I dare say each respective version had an alter. That's and... right. No, no. It, yeah, it, it did. It did hit at the point where it was on all three. That's right. Yeah. Because I was thinking it came later. Um, no, that, that's right. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So I want to know, like, what, what what game did you buy? What game? Because I want to know. Let me see if I can list them all. What you paid two hundred dollars or more for? Uh, not all of these were two, but some some were more. I'll tell you that. I had. Uh, Magician Lord, Sam 2, uh, 
I got those quote cheap from you remember the now defunct Lixang? No, 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 no. But I, mean, I wouldn't like which ones you actually paid the insane price for. Uh, SVC Chaos. Uh, okay, I, 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 I can see that. Sengoku Three. Oh. But that then, did you play that one? Yeah, but that, I don't know. right. I don't know. Well, you know what? That might have been not. This this helps me out much. That might have been one eighty nine at the time. Uh, um, the craziest ones probably I picked up. Uh, Blazing Star and Pulse Star. It's not terrible. But those were those were those were spendy. Those were from eBay. And then let me see. I'll name a couple more. I did. Real bout two. Okay. Art of Fighting so. Three. Yeah. And then that had to be oh oh oh. And then uh, I here these might have been the last two. Matro Melee. Yeah. Okay. And Rage of the Dragons. That's I mean that's, that's not not some bad choices then. Yeah. Yeah, because I only I only did it once, and so the problem with working a game fan was you. You were at an office of people who were just hardcore gamers. Right. And I was young. I had a roommate. Uh, I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have a car. I didn't have insurance. I didn't have a lot of bills. I had no debt. So when I had money, I just bought games. Oh, I can't imagine being – I mean it was bad enough for me when I worked at local uh, retailer where I got a decent discount and that was bad enough. I couldn't imagine being in that environment. I'd be I'd yeah. be dead. No, yeah. It was, it was, it was really bad. So like – and I'm sure I'm sure Nick helped encourage me in this, you know, <laughs> uh, because like, look, people people who don't know Nick Rock you have to understand this is a guy who paid like probably two thousand some dollars for um, you know like Street Fighter Alpha machines. Uh-huh. When I say machines, I mean he bought the actual arcade boards and everything. Because when he got punished one time at Game Fan, like Dave took away his Street Fighter Alpha two. I think it was I think it was Alpha two. Like that was his punishment. Was Dave took his alpha because he he'd actually bought, paid thousands of dollars for this alpha board and put it into the the Arcadian that we had in in, in the game and offices. So this is a guy who who had no problem spending two thousand dollars or more for a game. So you know, so here I am, <laughs> and and Sam Rushing on four hits, and Charlotte, <clears throat> my absolute favorite Samto character, comes back. And so I'm like, well, hell, this is only 300 bucks. I'll buy it, you know? So I paid $300 for that stupid game. Um, and that was the one time I bought a, a fully retail brand new Neo Geo title. I, I will say this. That act, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, they fixed it because Sam 4 fixed the people complained about the damage system in 3. Yeah. And then they added a bunch of characters that had those yeah. redrawn sprites yeah. from three. They, they 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 tried. They did try. That was that wasn't a bad one. Now that one I had, I think I still own it. I but I have it on Saturn. But okay, so yeah. so because we haven't gotten into this whole this whole topic yet. So SNK for a long time is known as you know kind of like action games, sports games, shooter games, things like this. Um, but of course, at a certain point. Street Fighter 2 comes out, and Street Fighter 2 is this phenomenon that you just can't understand. I mean, today, I, I guess you could kind of liken it to like a Call of Duty or a Minecraft, you know? 
Um, but at that point, like just Street Fighter Two was like everything for some people. Right. I mean, I remember thinking that I was going to get a Super Nintendo just for that game because when it was when it was first announced, it was going to be on the Super NES, but it was not going to be on Genesis. That's the game that changed the tide for SNES to take back over the market yeah. from Sega. Yeah. So so Street Fighter Two was a phenomenon, but the lights you cannot believe. Um, and once that happened, all these other companies were like, you know what? We need to make a fighting game ourselves. And that's when SNK decides we're going to try this fighting game thing. And I think, and, and, and you can give me your opinion on this, but I think what why they ended up the way they, they ended up was they had their initial idea with Fatal Fury that this is going to be our kind of our our means of making it big in fighting games. It didn't catch on like Street Fighter 2 did, so they ended up going and trying other ideas for fighting games. And at a certain point, they were trying so much variety that they just kind of went back and reworked their games and tried again, and that's kind of why they ended up with like all these different titles Versus like a midway who had you know one with with Mortal Kombat, um, or you know Daddy East with Fighters History or things like that. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the point needs to be driven home yet again that the that Street Fighter was such a phenomenon that it, this may sound ignorant, like business wise, or or like people may not be able to wrap their head around this if they didn't either live through the era or didn't have an interest in fighting games. But Street Fighter changed the landscape so much that yes, part of it was SNK one. They saw that the arcade in the arcade scene it was hot. I think it's also important to mention that some of the workers at SNK at that time, well, two things, a few things actually. Some of those workers came from the original Street Fighter team. Yep. Also, SNK was the other gaming company at the time, based on in Osaka with Capcom. So they kind of had a friendly rivalry going on, and they kind of knew each other. And like you said, Fatal Fury hit, Street Fighter was out. I think Fatal Fury hit six months after Street Fighter 2. And then you're right. They went to try different things. Uh, they did the art of fighting and, you know, had the oversight, the huge, I couldn't believe the size of the sprites. You know, animation at that time for art of fighting one wasn't the greatest. Art of fighting was like... Yeah, I mean, because the thing was, okay, so we had Street Fighter, and Street Fighter had these characters, and they, there wasn't, like, any kind of, like, zoom or anything. And SNK comes along, and we have we have Fatal Fury, which has the kind of line change. You know, you got background, right. background kind of thing. Um, and that was interesting, but I was like, okay, whatever. But, like, then Art of Fighting comes along, and they start doing this zoom thing. And when they zoomed in, like, the character sizes were ridiculous. Oh, like, crazy. It was almost, yeah, it was almost like they were, like, you felt like they were as tall as the entire screen. And it was something that you had just never seen before. And they showed damage. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Art of Fighting. Another bit, one thing that did stand out to me for, for Art of Fighting, as did many Neo games, but Art of Fighting especially was the sound. Yep. Sound in that game was crazy. Uh. But yeah, so a lot of different things were tried out to try and get a piece of that pie, and the the cra- it was so hot, the craze was so hot that it just didn't stop. Uh, it yeah. didn't stop. I don't know if it was just tunnel vision or like that. That's all they could see. And and in all fairness, you know, Capcom did have their hands in in other things, but 
in that whole early through late 90s era, I mean, Capcom was pumping out the fighters left and right as well. I mean, this is another thing that may be hard to grasp if you didn't go through that era. And it was, it was just, uh, it was insane. And, you know, people like myself got, you know, addicted to it. And I couldn't wait for the next one. Hell, I still buy the fighting games like they're candy. <laughs> because of because of that era and growing up with it and the memories and, and and truly enjoying it, you know the great control on a lot of those games. I love the different the variety of characters and the you know I love fast paced games that arcade style. But I mean, I mean to, to, so to give you an example, like what you're talking about, so 1991, SNK releases Fatal Fury, the, the original one. So that's okay. We have our one fighting game. We're going to try and see how it goes. The next year, 1992, they have Art of Fighting. And they have Fatal Fury 2. And uh, World Heroes. So the next, the next year they have three fighting games. Two brand new ones and one sequel to Fatal Fury. Next year in 1993, they have another Fatal Fury, Fatal Fury Special. They have Samurai Showdown, another brand new series. And then they have World Heroes 2. So I mean, that, like, you can see kind of the ramping up they're doing. Um, and then the next year, the next year, okay, they have <laughs> one, two, three... Four, five fighting games total for that year. So because it it literally was like at a point it was like let's let's throw things in the wall and see what sticks. Now for me, they had Fatal Fury and it was like okay I, I don't really care because like if you go back and play the original Fatal Fury it's pretty rough at this point. right. And to, but to, to be fair to be fair, it was trying new things. And one of the complaints you have about that era is there were a lot of games that were just trying to exactly be Street Fighter. But Fatal Fury was trying some new things. But it, I, I didn't really appreciate how it, how it worked out. Art of Fighting, I just never got into. Um, I appreciated it, what it was doing technically and graphically. But like the fighting system, I just could not enjoy. Uh, but for me, it's what happened two years later in 1993. And that's the release of Samurai Showdown. And Samurai Showdown was was the first mo- real moment for me where I say this company SNK can can give me something on the level of Street Fighter uh, because just to me Samurai Showdown just was I mean to be fair a year later I would realize <laughs> how much better it could be right but at that point the first Samurai Showdown was like. Wow, this is a really cool game, and this this there was a kind of a uh, before that for me. There was kind of like okay, SNK is like kind of this B tier fighting game company, right? You know, they you can tell they want to be Capcom, but don't really know how to be Capcom. But that was when I was like, okay, these guys need to be taken seriously because this game is this game is really cool and really special, but. But it is the next year, which I, want, I definitely want to talk about. Because in 1994, when we have these five fighting games, not only do we get Samurai Showdown 2, right. but we get the King of Fighters 94. Oh, I, well, my, I already know my King of Fighters 94 memories. But <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, but yeah, Samurai Showdown was just the stars aligning, everything, you know, all, all pistons firing. Uh, outstanding look. This was amidst not only the Street Fighter craze, but Mortal Kombat. And Samurai Showdown found a way to meld both universes in terms of 
you got the 2D, the high quality sprite art, and you also got that aspect of death animations melded in from MK, except Samurai Showdown played a hundred times better than MK. And yes. you yes. another thing is that Street Fighter, as Capcom has said, was aimed more, believe it or not, at the Western audience and American audience. Samurai Showdown is unique in that it's not afraid. It's stuck to its, you know, the Japanese roots. I mean, that game is ex- it is extremely, uh, you know, foreign in design and direction and, and, and uh, its historical reference. But that game, you know, no matter what, you know, who you are, what culture or creed that that was a uh that was a winner as a matter of fact i consider samurai showdown or what you just mentioned two more specifically that was probably that that was their peak yeah i mean for for well i I wouldn't know if I say a peak because there's a few for the masses. Games. I would say for right. the, maybe not for no, me okay. personally, sure. But for the masses, I would say in the arcade, like for me, you know, it never died. You know, it, you know, it's still going in my brain. But I think for arcade, like for arcade goers, like I remember there were lines for Street Fighter, obviously MK. Even though I never got into it, MK in all fairness had big lines. Yeah, and I remember lines for Samurai Showdown. And, yeah, yeah, and I, Killer I Instinct. Say- yeah, I would say Samurai Showdown 2 was, was kind of one of the top moments when people really recognized SNK as a fighting game company and, and, and when they really cared about that game. Because, yeah, it, it, was, it was definitely big in our, in our area, too. Um, but there, there was this other game that shows up, The King of Fighters. And I remember, like, it, see, arcades were weird because... I don't want to say they were friends, but you would end up talking to like a lot of people you didn't know because you'd go to the arcade and you'd see them there constantly as well. And this was back in the era when people were like less, less concerned about, you know, who you were talking to. So you'd have like kids talking to adults and stuff like that, you know. And so I remember like this older guy and, and he was like, yeah, they got this new game, King of Fighters. And it's like it's like this they got like all these SNK characters together, <laughs> you know, in one game. And it, I had, I, I think for a lot of people, they couldn't necessarily appreciate what it was, but I had enough knowledge of SNK that I kind of knew, you know, their history uh, of games. And so like today, like a crossover fighting game is just nothing. You don't even think about it, you know? Um, but this was, this was like smash brothers, Way before there was a Smash Brothers, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. This this was Capcom's versus fighting games long before those even existed, and and you went up to it and you're like, wow, okay, wait a minute. So there's because I mean, and and this worked partially because SNK had a history of of other games, right? But it worked partially because they had built up this kind of base of fighting games at that point. True, right? They had the Fatal Fury, they had the art of fighting, you know. So you go to say, okay, wait a minute. Now, I've seen those characters in Fatal Fury, and, and I've seen those characters in the Art of Fighting. And then, oh my god, that, that, that's, that's, you know, Athena. And, oh, these are those characters from Ikari Warriors. And then, oh, these are like these, some new characters. And the game is completely rough now. And you go back, you can't even, like, edit your own team, and it's, like, weird and stuff. Right, that first year there were eight teams. Yeah. <clears throat> but that game was just, like, this really kind of magical feeling and you already knew that this was kind of going to be the big thing for SNK. Oh yeah, 
I mean, and my my first memory of King of Fighters '94, which I, I did get to play in the arcades at the time, but the arcade was not my first memory of it. My first memory of that was the Game Fan magazine, the preview, ah. and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I that. I mean, that magazine was already burned into my brain every month, but, like, I remember the couple images in there. Like, I must have looked at those things, like, 750,000 times. And I remember, I, I, I just couldn't believe the concept, how awesome it was. All You know, all those games that I'd been familiar with already, putting it in this dream match. And, and then the, I was lucky. The local arcade by me did get it. I don't think I got to play it right away, but played it a few times. You know, and it, it was exciting, you know, but like you said, you know, you didn't have the team edit, but you knew that this series, this franchise was around, you know, uh, to stay. And what, what's funny is like today, right? If somebody plays like King of Fighters 13, to them, those characters are just King of Fighters characters, right? Like you, you don't even think about it anymore. It's like, okay, these are just like all these King of Fighters guys. But like at that point, it literally was like, wait a minute. All these different fighting games and all these different other non-fighting games have come together into one game, and it was just like a, a crazy thing. And I mean, it was it was a few years later, but I remember being a game fan and there being a, a Famitsu survey going on about like what characters people wanted to see, and you were getting to a point where like the dog from Saint Goku was like <laughs> an option you could vote for and stuff. And it it was like just like I said today, it's hard to appreciate because you have. You know, Smash Brothers, you've had years and years of Capcom versus games. You've had, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC, all these kind of stuff. But it was this this new idea that just, like, wait a minute. You can actually take characters from different franchises and bring them together into one game? And then they can, like, fight each other? And even, even, even though it was SNK's own games, it was still, like, just crazy talk at that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still taking a trip down memory lane in my brain here right now as you're talking about it. But I mean, you know, everything from the look of the game I enjoyed, you know. It was beautiful. Gorgeous. I mean, like, that's one of the things, like, like throughout most of its life, I mean, SNK, I, I'm sure one of the reasons that you agree that I'm sure one of the reasons that we love that company is they did things with sprites, like, that you didn't know could be done sometimes. Um, you know, they they were one of the masters of using pixels to to create worlds that just were gorgeous and came to life in ways that some even 3D games don't come to life anymore. Um, but King of Fighters, like Fatal Fury, I really didn't like the graphical style of it. I was not a fan. Um, Art of Fighting was good, but it was like super detailed in some ways, you know, um, Samurai Shodown, I, I, I liked, but it had its own kind of unique style. But King of Fighters had this look to it. And it's a look that, to this day, I still... is one of my favorite visual looks from SNK games. Um, just the way the backgrounds are done, the way the character sprites are done, it's, it's just so perfect. And it was funny because, you know, you had Terry Bogart, a, a character from a game I didn't really play very much and didn't care about, but all of a sudden, I cared about Terry. You know, I cared about Mai. I cared about Rio. Um, care about Yuri or or Robert. You know, 
it, it, like it it made you really appreciate all these characters that had been in games before that either the game didn't play as well as you hoped or it didn't work as well as you hoped you know but now all these characters suddenly came together and and you had a new appreciation for um SMK's characters which would go on to be another of the big reasons that I love this company so much well, you nailed it. It it gave new life to those characters that didn't quite hit the mark, and maybe they didn't quite hit the mark not so much because of their maybe their look or design, but because the games they came from didn't play quite right or it just didn't click right. But in King of Fighters and what has to be considered a rare instance, especially like those art of fighting characters, it really saved them in my mind. Yeah, you know. Um, and, and, you know, I was a fan of, of Fatal Fury, maybe not the first one, but when you mentioned it earlier, you know, Fatal Fury Special is when I really started taking note and looking at the series. And not to get too far ahead, I, I really started liking the art direction in that series when they redid everything in three. But back on the King of Fighters piece, um, yeah, I mean, they just they, they nailed it. It gave new life to those characters that maybe people didn't give a second look at. And, you know, then they, they went on from there. Now, that they're... There came a problem, though, with, with SNK. And that problem was the Neo Geo had, had, had come out. It had these games, you know, Magician Lord, League Bowling, Super Spy, whatever. And they were interesting, you know, but they were kind of like, okay, I buy the super overpriced console. I can get these, like, wacky arcade games sure you know i i didn't really care so much at that point it was one of those things where like you know when, when you're young you want everything so if somebody had just given me a neo geo i would have like gladly taken it right but i didn't have it yet i didn't get it until i got to game fan you know so i'm like okay i don't have a neo geo but i don't miss it so much but this is the point where you start missing it because samurai shonen comes out and then sam show 2 comes out and King of Fighters comes out. And Fatal Fury starts getting better. And Art of Fighting is going along. And you're like, wow, I really like these fighting games. But SNK is like, we have our own console. We have our own home system now. We're not making games for anybody else. You know? They like, they like cut off the systems. And they're like, we're, we're, we are going from a company that really focused on, on supporting the, the NES to we are going to focus on our own home consoles. Now, a company called Takata comes up, and they do start making home ports of Neo Geo games. But you quickly realize the power difference between the Neo Geo and the home systems, which are the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. And for a while, those ports exist, but at a certain point, even those ports stop. And we, we literally get to a point in time uh, for a few years where there are no home ports of Neo Geo games unless you have a Neo Geo itself. Uh, but so, so for the uh, Takata stuff, like I didn't get so much into their games. Um, I think the one that I really, I really did play was Samurai Showdown. 
and it was funny because the Samurai Showdown on the Super Nintendo and Genesis were just so different. Yeah, I, I actually remember quite kind of kind of vividly, and I, I played the home conversions on SNES and Genesis for those and other games they did because that was the era where I rented a lot. Yeah. So that would be the thing. But yeah, I remember playing the Super NES version a lot at home on my rental, and I enjoyed it at the time. But you know, in retrospect, I mean it. And then, and then you're right. The Genesis one was actually closer to its arcade counterpart, but they were also missing in its entirety. They were missing Earthquake, right? Yeah, yeah, they were missing Earthquake. I'm t- I was trying to know like, what the differences were, and I, I almost want to say that, like, so we were talking about the fact that, like, the, the, one of the big things that SNK did was the kind of zooming in and out yeah. on the fighting games. So the way I remember it was the Genesis Samurai Showdown was zoomed in, so it had the bigger characters, and the Super Nintendo version was zoomed out. So it had smaller characters. Uh, yeah, and don't quote me on this because I'm actually not cheating. I'm not looking it up. I th- so you're right. I believe the Genesis had it eliminated, though the sprites were decent sized. And I thought the SNES maintained the zoom, but the, I don't. I I don't think if the, it did it. It wasn't that much because I know. I'm, no, but it was shitty. Yeah, because I know that like for some weird reason I actually did like the Super Nintendo version as well. Because a lot of people actually didn't, from what I remember. That sounds accurate as well. Um, but I remember like it being like always like very small characters on screen. So I don't know if it had like a small amount of zooming or if it didn't have very much or what it was. But but the sprites were definitely small. I'll, I'll give yeah. you know. But yeah, yeah, no, I do think that like Genesis was missing Earthquake. Yeah. But. Uh... Yeah, th- but that's interesting. You mentioned that time when nothing really came home because you're right. Some of that stuff was still getting home versions, albeit from a different third party. But there was like a lull there where unless you had a Neo Geo, you just weren't playing it. Yeah, and and it sucked because as somebody who, who was a big SNK fan, like it, it literally was, okay, I have the option of either I get an AES home system. I get the CDX or whatever this, the Neo Geo. Oh, the CDZ or whatever? Yeah, CDZ. Yeah, CDZ. I get a CDZ or I just don't play these games. Um, and, you know, SNK was finding their niche. So we were getting to the point where like, we were having just yearly updates. And you're like, man, I'm missing out on a lot of gaming here. Um, so at this point, I'm a, I'm a game fan. I end up, I end up getting uh, a Neo Geo home console. And there's actually a point here that we need to not pass up, and that is, so, as we said before, you're looking at 600 at least $600 for, for a system, right? You want to go out and you want to buy Samurai Showdown 2, let's say. $200, maybe 250 depending on where you buy it at. So, just, just, just to get you that one game... You're already in for at least eight hundred dollars. <laughs> One of the most incomprehensible, stupidest, strangest things to ever happen in video gaming is that Neo Geo home cartridges were censored. Oh yeah, I didn't even. Yeah, this is a whole. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, <laughs> so, you, so you would play, and this this was this was like the famous thing was was milk, right? Yes. You would play Sam Show or whatever, and you'd slice somebody, 
And instead of seeing red blood come out, you'd see this strange white substance that everybody called milk or whatever. Yeah, like the white sweater milk. Yes. Now let me let me let me just I I have to take a moment to just reiterate. Six hundred dollars for a system. <laughs> Two hundred dollars for a game. Who do they think were buying these things? Right. Oh, that's yeah. Kids, kids weren't owning these games. Yeah, that's a good right. Like you are you are you are creating a a platform of gaming that only adults can afford, and then you are censoring those games for adults. Now these days, even thinking about the fact that you're censoring blood, right? In a 2D fighting game that is made of sprites. That's, like, ridiculous. Right. But, I mean, like, okay, kids can go to an arcade, and for a quarter, kids could play a Samurai Showdown in the arcade and cut somebody in half and see blood. Or their parents could pay $800 (laughs) to play that game and not see blood. Like I, I, to this day, I do not understand that reasoning. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I have to ask, and I hope you don't get uh, upset or sick of hearing me ask you these kind of questions. What What was the atmosphere like in the game fan offices when this type of stuff was like making headlines, and and you guys were actually playing this stuff? Like, were you just guy? Were you guys like, I can't believe this, or how ignorant is this? Yeah, or? no, yeah, I mean, like it was unbelievable, and I mean, like when when I got my Neo Geo, like I got one that was that was already converted with a, a, a switch oh yeah 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 the but you the, and, yeah yeah and so you just switched it from region because the thing was if you if you had american region you'd have like the white milk coming out of people mm. if you switch to japanese region it could it would it it could still well and, I, I, and i'm trying to think like what, what how the language worked but there was a way to get it where you could play it and have it had red blood and stuff and my favorite part was censored was that my's bounce was gone yes yes <laughs> But that's another element that was a silly element that was changed. Yeah, it was it was dumb. Like we we like we just had no comprehension of why you would do that on games that only well-to-do adults are going to be purchasing. Mm. Like who's going to spend $200 on a game and be like, "Wait, there's blood in this? Oh my god, I can't." You know, like I mean like, "Come on." Right, like Joe Average is not paying two hundred dollars for a for a fighting game. <laughs> this is the nichest of niche you could ever create. Okay, outside of like Bimani controllers, <laughs> they're like four hundred dollars. So you can play pop and music. This is like one of the nichest <laughs> things you could ever release in gaming, and they were censoring it for those people. Do you feel that over the the course of gaming's current s- span? Would you say the Neo Geo collectors are the most hardcore? Oh my god, it's it's. I mean, if you ever, I mean, it's scary. Okay, so like, <laughs> because I I think you know Dion, right? Or you've actually heard of Dion? You talking Neo Geo freak? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, uh, Dion Diakis. Yes, and his, and his pal. Yeah, his name is escaping me right now, but yes. yeah, it's escaping yeah. me too. Yeah, like God, I I I've had wars with that guy over the years like you can't did i send you the links to his like four or five part interview from maybe two or three summers ago i think i'm thinking you did back in the day yeah yeah i mean in the interview he didn't see look anybody doesn't see and i don't know the guy and i don't want to slander him but 
you know, in an yeah. interview, I can, you know, one can be presented in different ways. But, you know, when I watched it, I, this is what I thought. I thought I thought there was a lot of truth in what he was saying. And if he was being dishonest at points, it was really tough to tell. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. when you know someone is real, like, someone's real slick, like, you know, when they get good at that kind of thing. But there were a lot of interesting points he brought up no matter what. And it was an interesting take on the industry at the time and how it was kind of, I guess the term might be grassroots or how he did things, picking up the telephone book and, and, and um, zeroing in on a, a special audience and the connections he had at one time, at least with SNK. I mean, what a, what a, what a story, like what a soap opera. And you can relive some of this on the neogeo.com the neo-geo.com message boards uh everything from in the last couple of years those counterfeits of arrow fighting th- arrow fighters three and how those were disproven and then how the neo geo freak guys came in and almost looked like heroes kind of like even though they were like hated at one time and just i don't know if they're just being opportunists and then the guy on NeoGeo.com that didn't want anything to do with them anymore, now kind of they made amends. Dude, it is a soap opera. Being a wrestling fan, this this is one of the most unbelievable things I've seen in a, in a different industry in, in gaming. It's The, the Neo Geo base is, is wicked. There, there's no way we can ever even really get into this topic because you cannot encapsulate it in a way that people will appreciate this community it is what like i don't care where you go right now i don't care what fan base you get into in terms of gaming it's 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 kindergarten compared to what the neo geo community is like it, it is the most insanity ever i, I it, it's 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 because yeah you you have you have games that were totally niche. You have a company that was going after the niche. You have, I mean, a game selling for a thousand dollars is 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 everyday business at this point. You know, for for these certain games because of how much they cost at the time, because of the way they were made on cartridges. Um, you know, because of the price, because of the, the the cartridge runs, because it is a it is a complete collector's market you know like no casual fans are just picking up neo geos and and buying them it's it's insane it is is in is insanity and there's never been a time when it hasn't been insane <laughs> no that's a, that's a very good point uh and speaking of all this stuff is is jogging my memory everything from the the boxes the cases the games came in to uh uh, an idea I pitched mm, uh, must have been like four years ago. I think I might have told you. If I told you honestly, I'll stop. I don't want to repeat myself and bore you. But did I ever tell you the limited edition I pitched? I mean, far enough to kneel to where we actually looked into where to get the cases made for the limited edition proposal I did. Uh, I talked about for King of Fighters. It may have been twelve, even though that wasn't the one that you know was real popular at the time. But do, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh. Uh-uh. So you, look, you know the deal. Oh, you know Neil. Neil owns his own graphics company. He's been doing it for over right. a decade. Blah blah blah. And with the people we had on at the time, we had some like loose connections, like at Atlas, and we sent them some emails. I guess I can say this because it's not like it didn't go anywhere. So right. 
And one of the things like from a marketing company, not just us, but from, you know, anyone out there is you see when you pre-order a game. Yeah. So I don't even have to, it's, so I'm not even doing selfless, you know, pl- uh, shameless plugs. We'll talk about other people. So like, you know, you reserve like call of duty or something, you get like uh whatever you get like a, a fucking dog kennel and a, a mask or something, or you pre-order a game, you get an art book and, or a music CD, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, well, wouldn't it be cool, especially for the collector, for these limited editions and to make it mean something, what if you, what if you took uh, like the King of Fighters game or maybe even kept it in the DVD case, but you packaged it inside an old-style clasp Neo Geo case, and then inside that case, you put the limited edition goodies. Hmm. You know what I mean? So like yeah. from, a, from a Neo Geo collector's point of view – Excuse me. You'd get that. You'd get that feeling of getting a Neo Geo case, another cart on your shelf, but inside of it would have been, you know, your your PS3 or Xbox 360 game, and then maybe in there, I figured you could probably fit like, you know, maybe like a music CD, maybe stickers, or you know, what what have you. Like maybe if uh, inserts mimicking like an old Neo release. The only difference would be is that the game itself would be in a, a DVD case or a case inside of it. Well, that, that would be actually really cool. Yeah, so I tried taking that as far as I could. But yeah, I mean, just... But anyway, here's, here's another thing. I guess I'll say it because it's... We sure as hell didn't use the information. The last I heard, and this was years ago, I think a lot of those cases, if you wanted them either replicated or to go where they were made, at least recently, I want to say it was Germany. Hmm. As weird as that is. But uh, I figured I'd throw that in there. But yeah, I mean, the Neo fan base, the Neo community is is really something else. Well, I mean, since, since you mentioned them, I mean, like, one of the positives to paying $200 for a game was you got a cartridge that you felt like was a $200 game. <laughs> right. Like, if you've never seen one of these things, uh, they're just huge. I mean, these cart the like... If you ever see like the box for for a Neo Geo game, like you open it up and the cartridge is the entire inside of the box. Oh, I mean, it's like, insane! I, it's it's, yeah, it's like, heavy like, how duty. Do you, and... How do you even explain? Like, I mean, they're like almost. It's an, approximately in... twice the size of maybe a VHS, or or maybe one and a half times the size of a VHS. Yeah, like if you take like a DVD case and take like maybe three DVD cases in the stack on top of one another. <laughs> That might be like an approximation of like what these cartridges were like. The cartridge itself, not just the box, the cartridge. And you, you put it in your machine, it was gigantic like clunk, you know. You're like pushing it in with like strength to make it click in. And you're like, this is a game system. <laughs> you know, the system was gigantic. And when you bought it, you didn't get like little controllers. You got arcade sticks. That was the thing. Was like, when you bought it though, you felt like you were getting a heavy duty system. Oh, um, un- unbelievable. Yeah, r- real quality. Everything was really yeah. high quality. Yeah. But so we're in this in, in in this period of time when the only way to get these games are to own a Neo Geo. But at a certain point, SNK realizes that they just can't ignore the home market anymore because only selling their games to people who have Neo Geo is just isn't going to get them anywhere, you know. And I think the arcade scene starts to weaken compared to what it was and so like okay we need to do something so snk returns to doing home releases and 
we enter what I consider to be like a golden era for playing SNK games at home because you had the Genesis, you had Super Nintendo, neither one of them can handle SNK games or Neo Geo games specifically. Uh, but then we get the Sega Saturn and you get a, a system that is compared to the PS3, I mean, PS3 compared to the original PlayStation it is a 2D focus machine. Um, you have, after we get past the god awful American weird controller, you have what is still to this day, I think, one of the best controllers for playing fighting games outside of an arcade stick. Uh, you're already getting a, a, a litany of Capcom 2D fighters. Um, 2D fighters from other companies, but all of a sudden Sega says, "I mean, SNK says, I'm going to start bringing our our fighting games to Sega Saturn." And to do so, they release well. Originally, so this starts with King of Fighters '95, and when King of Fighters '95 comes out, it comes with a cartridge because the the Saturn has a cartridge slot. And I, I believe the original reason it does is because um, Sega so has the Genesis. They bring out the, the, the 32X. They, or they bring out the Sega CD first. And then they bring out 32X. And then they were going to have kind of this like in-between system that uh, would be kind of a Saturn but also play 32X cartridges or something like that. Are you thinking of the Neptune? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't want you to lose your. I don't want to be rude and cut. Yeah, but but on the Saturn they had that slot that was I believe that was for uh, just extra data backup. But I, I thought I thought the actual party intention of having that slot was because it came from the idea of whatever that in between system was going to be. Mm, it, uh, it's possible. Because, because, yeah, I didn't because, think... yeah, no, I I know definitely it ended up being the slot that you you used for saving games. But I thought that. Um, I thought that's kind of where the the inspiration of the slot was, was that they were going to say, okay, we're having these in-between era cartridge games, and you're going to want to play them on your new system. I don't, I, I don't. It's I don't very, know. it's very possible because yeah. it, you know we'll call it an expansion slot because not only for memory. I think later on it may have been used for other things, like possibly like VCD or karaoke or whatever. Well, because the weird thing was is actually that Saturn also had. A, a, an expansion port built directly into it because that was where the uh, the VCD chip went into. Because on, on the back, if you turned it around, on the back left, there was actually a little plastic port that came oh, off. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got a good memory. Yeah, right. and that's where you slid in the card for the VCD uh, support. Okay. So I, I, said, I don't remember the exact intentions, but anyway, the Saturn had a cartridge port, and one of the benefits of having this cartridge port was it was used as a kind of backup slot for, for save games because the Saturn had internal memory that ran off of a battery, but you could also back up your saves to a cartridge. Um, but as NK comes along and says, you know what we're going to do? Uh, because you don't have as much RAM as we need to really run our, our 2D fighting games properly, um, we're going to put some of these assets onto a cartridge you're going to plug in and so when you play the game 
You'll have a cartridge and a CD working together to give you King of Fire 95. So they do this. It works great. The the home port. I mean, I still would say it's not arcade exact, but it was shocking compared to what we'd been used to for getting home Neo Geo ports. Um, but then for the very next game, the SNK ends up having this more generic RAM cartridge that I'm trying to remember how much RAM the Saturn well, it, had and I, what it added. Well, I know it added one. Okay. Cause, yeah, because later on, Capcom makes their own 4 meg RAM yes, cartridge, right? Yes, for X-Men versus Street Fighter. Right. And so then the SNK added one. I thought Saturn, I want to say, I'm going off memory, I thought it had two megs of RAM, or maybe it was something like that. I think it was, I thought it was two. Um, I thought. It says 16 megabits. I don't remember how much that makes a megabyte. Well, four, four megabits is one megabyte, but four megs of RAM in a Saturn seems, you talking what came out of the box? Uh, yeah, because it's saying like, it says 16 M bit of work RAM access memory. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the actual, what we, what we would consider to be RAM. I don't know what the actual RAM number was, but yeah. So the, the original RAM cartridge was one, what, what, one meg. Right. It added to it. Um, and so now with this new cartridge that could be used for any of their home ports. And like I said, to me, to me, you know, working a game fan, being in a position where I had extremely easy access to Japanese imports, <laughs> um, the Saturn was this glorious system of fighting games. Definitely. Saturn was the double-edged sword. That was the uh, – it was deadly for me because that's where I really – my import addiction took off. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, let's, let's, let's see what some of their Saturn – releases they did playstation versions but like i always oh. thought the playstation versions just were not terrible any, yeah as yeah. a matter of fact this is the point in my life actually this year this particular time is where i really started to become a snob and like like you'd read in the magazines like oh this game is missing these frames and this and that and i was always like you know what and you know when you don't have them side by side, you're going off memory, so you really you really can't tell. Let me tell you something. This era right here is where I now. That's where I got my trained eye. Now, now I can see it. Like the most jarring thing I'll, I'll never forget, though, it wasn't even from King of Fighters. I had imported X Men Street Fighter on Saturn and played the hell out of it, and then a friend of mine had X Men Street Fighter on PlayStation One. Mm-hmm. I could not – I was – we were both shocked because yeah. he wasn't even as much of a snob as me, but he had seen the Saturn version run. And then he went back home and was – and we looked at the PlayStation 1 at his house. And I'll never even forget like right off the bat like – before we even get into load times, like the characters on the screen would have like idle a- animations on your character select. On the PlayStation version, they literally <laughs> – yes. they, they did nothing. Yes, they were like that that one frame. They had no animation at all. Yeah, it was yeah. shocking. Um, yeah, and oh god, like low. I mean, low times were probably better than the CDZ, but they weren't by much. Well, let me tell you what the King, King of Fighters '95. I played the hell out of on Saturn, and then years later, not 
a short span of time, I wound up uh, maybe three, four years later. For shits and giggles, I picked up a used copy of Cough 95 on PS1. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Let me take a look because it was cheap and I had never played it on PlayStation. Right. Oh, what a pile of shit. <laughs> it, was te- it was terrible. Like, I still have a lot of my stuff in my collection, I'd say, since I probably started keeping a lot of my stuff, stuff since I was like 14, 15. I got rid of that version of King of Fighters had to be in a matter of days. And the... The the sad part was, because of the PlayStation's popularity, it ended up actually getting more SNK games than the Saturn did. <laughs> um, because, okay, so the Saturn, let's, let's see what they had. It had Fatal Fury 3, had King of Fighters 95 through 97. Yep. Uh, the first Metal Slug, uh, Real Bout, Fatal Fury, and uh, Collection and Special, Sam Show 3 and 4, Twinkle Star Sprites, and World Heroes Perfect. So those were kind of the, the arcade ports. I got to tell you, you know, maybe not as much of a nutcase as I am now, but I have no idea in retrospect. I have no idea how I missed Twinkle Star Sprites on Saturn. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, I, I, I did, and I didn't get it. And then, and then, of course, the Dreamcast version comes along, and I searched for years and years for that game. And I finally find it, like, years later um, – after I'm past my kind of Dreamcast collection right. era, but that was one of the really hard games to find for a long time. But okay, so so PlayStation, on the other hand, I know they got Blades of Blood. They got Sam Three. Gets gets King of Fighters ninety five through ninety nine. <laughs> so it got ninety eight, ninety nine, which which uh, Saturn never got. It got the first Last Blade. Got Metal Slug, Metal Slug X, uh, Money Idol Exchanger. Uh, Fatal Fury Real Bout and Dominated Mind, which I think was the 3D one? No. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dominated or, or, Mind might have been the special it, okay. edition of Real Bout. That's right. No, no. It was, it was, yeah, it was a special edition of Real Bout. Yeah. Um, I, have just, that, I have that hunk of junkie on my PSN download from my Japanese store. <laughs> I do. Uh, it gets, it gets a, a collection of Sam Show 1 and 2. Which, I have that downloaded just for uh, shits and giggles too, it, because I remember it, reading how bad it was. Pissed me off to no end. I bought that. I was so excited by it. Wow, and the it, fencing it turned, pack. It turned out to be garbage, and I was wow. like, "Why is this on PlayStation but not Saturn?" Um, wow. It got uh, three and four, and then four special. So it was actually missing a number of the Fatal Fury games, um, and didn't get Twinkle Star Sprites, but it, it got. They got more Sam Show releases and got more King of Fighters releases. So they're kind of even in the amount of games they got. But yeah, if, if you if you ever compared the two versions, it was just not even a contest. Like the, the Saturn version, especially with that RAM cart, just blew away the PS version. And for the very short, lo- the short load times on Saturn, the second to three seconds tops, you got that exclusive artwork in between as well. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah, that was a, that was a phenomenal. That was my second ever import game that I ever got. Yeah, and I had to I actually wound up returning it via mail because uh, I was doing the horrible cart swap trick, mm. which was bad because you do that yes. while the system is on and it. Uh, yeah, and that that cartridge slot was so easy to to go bad. Would you believe mine I never did? Really. Can you believe that? I st- I have a boxed up, but I still have the same Saturn from 95. 
Well, see, my, my my thing. I was lucky because I had a I had the white Japanese Saturn. Oh, see, that and, makes that makes me jealous. In retrospect, I look yeah. that one looks so awesome. Oh, it's it's awesome, and um, I and I, I also ended up getting the white Knights controller to go with it. Um, but mm. I I got that system mod switched, so I didn't have to do any kind of weird. Oh, that anything. would have been that would have been a dream come true at the time. Yeah. But I was so young, you know. Yeah. Wow. So, so that's this kind of, this goes back in the era of of SNK games coming to home consoles, um, and then you know of course we we move on uh, be- before we get to any portable stuff. We move on and we have the Dreamcast, which didn't get a, didn't get a lot of SNK games, but got some really good ones because it it, it uh, got the later era King of Fighters games. Yeah, I've got it, all of them. It got Mark of the Wolves, which yep. I think is easily the the best Fatal Fury release ever. Um, and then got Last Blade one and two, which I think, as much as I love Sam Show two, I think I it's it's tough because I I can't say it's better than Sam Show two, but Last Blade is just so fantastic. Like after I was ended up being kind of disappointed in Sam Show four, like Last Blade was so so good. I'm going to speak from the hardness, and I think Last Blade is awesome as well. Uh, I, you know, I've got the Dreamcast version, all that stuff. Awesome series, SNK almost catching lightning uh, in a bottle twice, which is unheard of. Uh, my opinion, the big difference for me between Last Blade and Samurai, we'll say Samurai Showdown Two, because that was the best one. I just think the character design in Samurai Showdown Two just that it still beat Last really? Blade. Yeah, Ooh. that's my opinion. Mm. That's I'm not I'm not saying I didn't like that, but like when I think of the like the characters for me in Samurai Shodan Two are so so memorable. Like literally that whole cast, like Taomaru, Genjiro, Caffeine, Nicotine, the big German, uh, you know, like you've said, Charlotte. Uh, the list goes on and on in that game. Like everybody is so memorable. The backgrounds. Last Blade was a little bit. Uh, maybe a little bit different in some ways and added some new, unique, you know, fighters, different techniques. But yeah. speaking for myself, it was close, but no. No, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, because the, the Sancho cast is, is legendary, you know, but I, I think they did a great job of making the last, the last blade crew also pretty distinct. Um, and full personality, and I think part of it for me was Last Blade graphically reminds me of King of Fighters. Like it has that kind of it's it's like a, almost a more detailed yeah kind I of, would, kind detailed of is the right word art. yeah um, and I just really love that SNK art. So I think I think that's part of the reason too. And just the fighting system is so great. But no, they're they're both fantastic games. I said I would never want to pick one of the other. Um, but I think. I, I think if we're talking about home systems with um, SNK releases on them, I mean, I, I think you, you, you can't pick anything above the PS2. You know what? On a technicality, you're probably right. It, it's it, Yeah, okay. Here's my problem. You're right. The bottom line, that's an accurate statement. Mm-hmm. My The issue with me in that is my time of – my time of SNK fandom and and it's because I was younger and not having to worry about work and working 40, 50 hours a week. 
you know, I was on top of all those releases on the Saturn and Dreamcast oh, no. era. No, absolutely, yeah. But the the issue, like, no, no, no. If I mean, you could I mean, somehow no. take my brain, right? My same brain from that old era, but make me young enough still to where the PS2 was like my teenage year system. I would have mopped up every collection. I bought most of them, but there's a few collections that I actually didn't think you're going to get into this on this show. There's a few collections I missed that when I saw, like I saw them when they came out and I wanted them and I just closed the web browser. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I can't do this again because I bought all, <laughs> I bought all the fatal fury packs right. import art of fighting summer showdown. Now you might be going, well, what the, what the hell did I miss? Well, I'm sure you may have seen they even did the obscure. They did like the Sunsoft collection pack with Waku Waku yeah. 7. Yeah, yeah, so you know. I'll let you say it like, you know. Yeah. Let, 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 me, let me clarify. Not in terms of my fond memories where I say PS2 is the best because you're, you're right. Like I think experience-wise, I think Saturn for me is one of the best periods for SNK just because – it really was like it's it's to get a little crude for a minute. It's like, you know, if if you're a guy and you see this hot girl and you're like, man, I really want to have sex with her, you know, and you're and you're doing everything in your power to make that happen, but she, you know, you're you're having to wait for for days and weeks and months before it happens, and then finally she's like, okay, we're gonna have sex now, and you're like, yes, and you get there and it's just glorious, you know, like it's 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 kind of that that right. pent up frustration and demand and longing that you've had for so long you know there was just so long of me wanting to really have all these snk games at home without having to spend the money to get the aes versions right and even though i didn't get a lot of games it was the fact that finally i could have these snk games at home and they ran wonderfully on the saturn like that was just a, a golden era for me because just that was when SNK came back into my life, you know, and when finally they were like, okay, we're not teasing you any longer. We're finally letting you play our games. You know, we're finally bringing them back to you on a home console other than Neo Geo. So from, uh, from that perspective, absolutely. I would not say PS2, but from a, if we're going to say what system gives us the best possible SNK experience in terms of Neo Geo stuff, there, there's, I think there's no question that, that PS2 has it. Um, one of the biggest reasons for me, really, is King of Fighters 98 Ultimate Match. K- KOF 98, to this day, is one of my absolute favorite fighting games from SNK. Um, and that was a fantastic version uh, they went back, they added things, they fixed things up, they added, you know, gave you extra options and stuff. So just that alone, and I think it came out at what, like 1999? Yeah. Because, yeah. Because this is like kind of like in the later era of the PS2, so we were getting like a lot of these SNK releases for like 20 bucks each. Yeah, so you're, you're talking domestic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was an idiot. A lot of those I got import full price. Uh, Although I have heard on account on a couple occasions that in a weird way, I actually wound up getting the better end of that stick. Really? Uh, yeah, I heard – I'll talk about the King of Fighters. Not, not not Ultimate Match. I hadn't heard anything about Ultimate Match. But like I have the Orochi – what is it? The Orochi Saga. I have the mm-hmm. 90 – maybe it is 94 through 97. But mm-hmm. then the United States got – it was like 94 through 90 – there were more. There were like two more – 
King of Fighters in the version here, but I heard there was like a lot of sound anomalies and stuff, and I was like, oh, oh really? Like I don't like I don't know how that could get botched up, but I guess that- the the import version didn't have any of those issues. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. But I do know that that is the one big asterisk on this is the unfortunate thing, even though it should have plenty of power, you run into some games on the PS2 versions that just don't run properly or have issues. And I know um, Neo Geo Battle Coliseum is one of those. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think it runs as well as it should be running. I'll tell you something. Well, maybe it may, I haven't played it in ages. That one, another one. I've got the import. Mm. I don't. But but that one. You know what? That I don't know what to say about that. That was and that came from. I wasn't that like the title type X two hardware or whatever. I I yeah. That you was know, not think, a neo. That was at the point yeah, when. Uh, I think you're right. That was at the point where. Yeah, no, no, S- yeah, yeah uh, 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 Thomas Wave. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. You yep. Thank you. Yeah. But. But then, I mean, like, but the problem too is like also the uh, arcade classics because I want to say it's a PS2 version where, um, and this killed me. This absolutely killed me because one of my one of my favorite games, not my favorite, like one of my top games on the Neo outside the fighting games were. Um, oh, and I just lost it. It's 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 kind of like their new generation of Ikari Warriors. Oh, Shock uh, Troopers. Shock Troopers, yes. Love Shock Troopers. There was no home version of it forever. Because <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of those Neo Geo games got lost outside right. of the fighting games. Um, so SNK releases the SNK Arcade Classics Volume One. That comes out. It's on it. I'm so happy I play it. Every single time, there's a new sound effect that hadn't been played before. There's there's loading. So the game like really? pauses. The game pauses for just a second to load, oh. and it's it breaks the entire game, and it made me just so sad. That said, so you, I do have domestic version. I don't have import on that. Yeah. So if but, you ever try that, you'll you'll notice the fact that it has a couple, tons of just in-game loading for no reason. Can I brag uh, on that? Since we're talking about that set, sure. I had a bug up my ass whenever I got that set years ago, and I was determined. And inside a couple of days, I beat Last Resort. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that was such a feat because I guess a lot of people consider yeah, that. I've never, I've never actually gotten any close to beating it. Yeah, I knocked that one. I'll tell you something weird too. So I beat it on my own. I maybe died once or twice because you know how those games work. Either you're going through that game flawless or once you right. lose at a certain spot, you might as well just shut it off. Right. And I had a good friend of mine come over who's also a Neo Geo fan and because uh, he owned the cart version. And he'd never gone through it. And I'm like, hey, yeah. I'm like, I got it on this collection. I said, would you believe this? I said, I beat it or whatever. I said, okay. And I still had all the patterns in my head. So I said, come on over. And I was showing him to prove it. And he was like, holy shit. And I got to the last round. You ready for this? And he was here as my witness. Last round going through Flawless Run. And then the game glitched and stopped. Oh. (laughs) He was still impressed for what it was that I got, you know, right up to there. And then literally the game froze. How crazy is that? Oh, it sucks. <laughs> but okay, so what's funny about that collection? And I mean, obviously, it doesn't work this way. But so there's 16 games on there. So that means if we're going by old school Neo Geo pricing, that's three thousand two hundred dollars worth of gaming you got for twenty bucks. <laughs> I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like yeah. I said, you point now, like I cannot believe anybody would have paid two hundred dollars for for most of these games. Um, right. 
But I, I think, uh, and God, this is going to be a long podcast. We still have so much to do. <laughs> I feel like. Um, no, you know what? Okay, let's, 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 is there anything else I really don't talk about PS2-wise? Um, and PlayStation Portable had a few collections. Uh, King of Fighters, Rochi Saga, Metal, Metal Slug Anthology, SNK Anthology. Uh, they actually got an interesting release, which was SNK Arcade Classics Volume Zero. Yeah, which, I was tempted which, to import it. I never did because they, they did chippy choppy. They chopped it up on the network. Yeah, it was really weird because on the American side, they actually ended up releasing, I think, like at least half of these, but they released mm-hmm. them as minis. Right. For the PSP. Right. But it was it was it was it was unique because it went back and brought back a lot of really old retro SNK games that have just never been around otherwise. Stuff like Bermuda Triangle, Tank, Sasuke versus Commander, um, the original Psycho Soldier where where Athena and uh, Kyosuke, Kyosuke, Kenso, Kenso oh, came Kenso. from. Oh, Kenso. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Gold Medalist, the the original POW and Guerrilla War and stuff like that. So, Street Smart. Um, it's okay. So, that's, that's SNK on consoles, but I think we have to take a moment to talk about their handhelds. Because oh, yeah. There, there have been a few eras or, or a few examples of companies going after Nintendo's iron grip on mobile platforms. Um, of course, you had the Atari with the Atari Lynx. You had the Turbo uh, Express. And NEC with the Turbo Express, which I never owned. I worked... This is a story. I don't know if I've ever told this publicly. Um, I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, wow. This was my... I was it first or second? It made me my first high school job ever. First or second, one of the two. Um, and I remember somebody else who worked there had a Turbo Express, and I was so jealous of it <laughs> because it was a a color screen. You could just use the exact same games that you use in your home console, and it had a TV tuner, and it was just the most badass thing in the world to me. Um, so you had that Sega made attempts at, uh, portable systems, you know, you've had game.com, you've had engage and what, right. There's a game, notably the game gear, the nomad, there was a lot that came through that pipeline. Right. But I think for me, the, the time when I was most swayed by competitors portable was the Neo Geo pocket. And um, it comes out, and it's a shame looking back, it's a shame that these hit when they did, because this was the era when systems still didn't have backlighting on them, so um, it was just this kind of weird in-between era for, for, for portable systems, but the Neo Geo Pocket comes out, it's it's can't be on shelves for, for very long, I feel like maybe a, a year or two, Um but no, you're talking the pocket. Yeah, the original pocket. No, yeah, barely. Yeah, very short lifespan. Yeah, very short lifespan. And and Nintendo comes along with their with their Game Boy Color. So very very quickly. Okay, so let's see. So Neo Geo Pocket original was 19 was um, in Japan was October 28th 1998, 
oh wow, in March of 1999 is when the color hit. So yeah, I mean like six months later, basically, a color version hits, and they bring it out in America in summer of 1999. I remember. I've gotten the weirdest systems day one. Like the the systems end up being most popular or end up being my favorite. I typically don't get day one for some reason, but I've gotten some weird ones day one. I I remember going to the store and getting a Neo Geo Pocket Color the very first day it came out. Um, and this to me was kind of like a rebirth of the old school SNK because for so long. SNK had been kind of the company that just did fighting games. Right. You know, like that's all they were doing. And then suddenly, Ninja Pocket Color comes out, and they're doing all these different games. We get we get baseball stars again. Um, Tur- uh, Turf Masters. Turf Masters, the go- great golf game. Uh, we get Dive Alert. Uh, we got... Um, that's not it, uh, Fossile, like a strategy yeah, game. Yeah, Fossil, right. It, it was almost like a rebirth in a sense, like stuff either you hadn't seen in ages or they started taking chances again. Right. Uh, we got <clears throat> versions of Metal Slug. We got we got Neo Geo Cups. We got soccer again from uh, from SNK. Um, I don't know if they made the, the tennis game, but the tennis game. Uh they worked with Sega to do Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. So they had like this interesting selection of, of, of unique games. And then they also had their fighting games. And you would think like a fighting game on a two button system wouldn't work so well, but it actually did. And the thing was, is the reason it worked was because they kind of retooled these fighting games to make them be portable games instead of, instead of trying to be like just ports of the, the big versions. Right. Um, and also because of that crazy, clicky, I don't even know what you call it. Oh, yeah, it, like the micro switch or the, yeah, yeah the, the, the directional. Yeah, the micro switch directional thing. Yeah, it get, which was, for those who don't know, which was strikingly similar to the Neo CD pad. Yes. Uh, yeah, very nice, uh, very nice feel. So, um, I mean, and that, like, man, they had SNK Gals Fighters. Uh, which was a really cool game with like all these like just female only characters. Um, they had a Samurai Shutdown. They had a Last Blade. And they did everything. They had Fatal Fury. They had the. Uh, they had a Fatal Fury. They had the SNK Capcom. Well, that's that's something that we actually forgot to hit on, and so we need to talk for a minute about that. Um, because I think one of the biggest points in my life of being an SNK fan. I was working a game fan at the time and you know, you, you kind of, no, no matter how much you, you, you try when you're young, you end up like it or not being in certain camps, you know, you, you, you pick sides <laughs> and for a while it was, you know, Nintendo versus Sega. Um, and even back before that, it was like, you know, Atari versus Coleco or whatever. Um, you know, then it was, you know, is do Genesis versus super Nintendo. Uh, there were the Turbo Graphics, but they were the weird hipster kids, you know, who were saying that was their their favorite console. Um, you had certain sides and stuff, uh, and one of the big rivalries that came up was Capcom and SNK. Like, for, for me, and for a lot of people, when we thought about fighting games, those were that that it was Marvel versus DC. 
you know, it was Microsoft versus Apple. Um, it, that was one of, like, I think right below, you know, <laughs> Nintendo versus Sega, you know, Mario versus Sonic, like right below that was Capcom versus SNK. And there was just never a thought that there would be a crossover fighting game. Well, okay, yeah, I yes, yeah. I when Capcom st- and you can still hear me okay? Mhm. When Capcom started doing the X-Men Street Fighter, the one okay, when they did Marvel Capcom, mm-hmm. I said to myself and I'm sure I said this out loud to people I know not not that they gave a shit. I had a feeling I said that if they do Capcom SNK or something like that, that's going to be like they have to. Now, no, no, I, I, I think it was a dream. I think it was a dream. It, well, right. Uh, yeah, uh, right. It, was something that was, it wasn't it was something that was, yeah, maybe that's a better way of putting it. But yeah, boy, when that happened, when that got announced. Because, I mean, uh, this was, this uh, was like, this was literally Burger King and McDonald's. Saying we're gonna make a sandwich together. This is Coke and Pepsi saying we're gonna work together on, on a new drink. You know, this wasn't supposed to happen. Like these were rivals to the end. And when when it got announced, like I mean, it it blew my mind. Like this was for me just one of the absolute biggest dreams you could have. Uh, shocking. I mean, uh, elated. Uh, there's only one minor negative I had with this, and it has nothing to do with the game. And I don't even know if you're going to believe this. You know, when when that game got announced, there was a piece of me, and I, I shit you not, I was sad that Game Fan wasn't around for that one. No, wait, wait, wait. We had to have been. No, because I want to. I thought it was Gamers Republic. No, because I I was. Or it had to be at the tail end. Uh, I I I feel like I was still in California when because I I I left California two years before Game Fan shut down. Um, and I feel like I was still in California, still doing the website updates. Well, wait, maybe you know what? What am I? Maybe I'm when. Well, now that now I'm driving myself crazy. You know what? I saw the prototype arcade. At E3. So wait, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm remembering things wrong. Because I saw it in 99. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I, I let's, uh, but the final hmm. game didn't come out till... So hang on. Match of Millennium. Not, that's, that's the... Okay, because I think the, Fall of 2000. Because the, the Neo Geo Pocket Color game came out in 1999. When did the when did CVS come out? So CVS came out in two thousand. September. Um, in Japan, Dreamcast was September of two thousand. It says for arcade, it says two thousand. That's when I remember because I sure as hell imported that. So when when was when was Card Fighters? I can't remember when Card Fighters. Card Fighters was no, November of 1999. So I think, I think, here's what I think happened. I think the announcement was made. 
and they're like, we're going we're gonna to have this stuff happening. We're going to finally do a, you know, these two companies are going to come together and make rival games. And then I'm pretty sure what happened was the first iterations of that were the Neo Geo Pocket Color games, which were 1999. And then the actual SNK versus Capcom, I mean, sorry, the actual Capcom versus SNK right. was in 2000. Yeah. Because because I know SNK versus Capcom was first. In in, in terms of branded products. Yeah, that's true. Right, right. But yeah, you know what I meant? Like the... Like okay. I, because that was right towards it. Yeah, I remember that. Because yes. yeah, my, so this is this is such an uh, this is such a crazy m- memory. I remember being glued to my monitor, and, and you know where it was. This is embarrassing. On Byright Video Games. Yeah. And they had that thing up for pre-order, and I don't think I couldn't get my debit card out fast enough. <laughs> you know, I mean that was uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. So so yeah so I mean it, that was this was right as Game Fan was dying was when Capcom versus SNK the first one hit um, was right at the end of us but SNK but it got announced at least a year a year before yeah that. that's true right 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 yeah um, but no I mean like again like, like people just can't understand at this point I mean because I, I don't know like what I don't know what. You know what I mean? Like, and you'll, you'll appreciate this too. I mean, it, it, it was like when you heard that WWE was buying WCW. Right, yeah. You know, like th- there, there are only a certain amount of, of, of rivalries in our lives where we can imagine that anything like that will ever happen and where it's just like it will shock us to our core. Um, you know, I said like, like Sonic and Mario ever being in a game together – was absolutely number one, but to me, right underneath that was Capcom and SNK fighting games. Oh, I, yeah, and I would say Capcom SNK lived up to that hype, and the Mario Sonic Ball didn't. That that was not, oh, yeah. yeah, that was oh, yeah, yeah, lost but money no, there, but, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so the first examples of this come out for the Neo Geo Pocket Color um, in in two different games. There is the <clears throat> the fighting game, which is Match of the Millennium, which. To be fair, like, that's not what we wanted. It was a great game, but that wasn't really what we wanted. You know, we wanted, like, a real true fighting game um, for this kind of collaboration. But what I ended up being absolutely shocked by was the other example on the Neo Geo Baka Color, and that was Card Fighters Clash. Yeah, that was the show stealer. That game was so good. Yeah, and I don't, I don't understand why. Just to even quick pocket the money, why SNK just won't re-release the same damn thing on something like just. No, no, no. Here's 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 my question. Okay, so we currently have a portable system, the 3DS, right, right, that has a virtual console on it, and one of the ideas is having games from portable systems that weren't just Nintendo. Because we have Game Gear on there. Right. Why are there no Neo Geo Pocket Color games on there? <laughs> Why was there never <laughs> a DS collection of Neo Geo Pocket Color games? Like, like, if there's one thing we can say about SNK, it is they love whoring out their Neo Geo games. Like, they have released 
Neo Geo games so often on so many platforms, but the pocket color games, nowhere. And I need to correct you a little bit. They love whoring them out, and they also have a bad track record on some systems of whoring them to a certain point and then just oh, yeah. stopping. Oh, trust me, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that. <laughs> and it's honestly, it's very upsetting. It's being being if you if you want to have any kind of like proper collection of of neo geo games to state on a platform it is maddening because what snk does is they find a new system and they and they fall in love with it and they're like we're gonna release games on this thing and they always do the exact same thing they they always go back to the very beginning right and they start from scratch because if they were smart here's here's what they do they okay we're gonna give you mark of the wolves we're going to give you KLF 98. We're going to give you Sam Show 2. We're going to give you, you know, uh, uh, these games that you actually want. Metal Slug 3. They don't do that. They actually, they kind of did it, to be fair. They did it on Xbox Live. They were actually smart about what they remade on Xbox Live. But whenever it comes to them just doing like a ROM dump or whatever, they start from scratch every time. Yeah, and no, it's... And, it's frustrating. By the, time you, by the time you start getting the games you want, you want, they've forgotten they were doing that, and they just give up. Because they've done it on the Wii, they've done it on the PS3, they've done it on, I'm sure, like other platforms, they've done it on, um, well, not completely their fault, but the uh, Neo Geo X, which I'm sure we'll end with, the abomination and tragedy that is that system. It's just like yeah, it's it's really frustrating as an as an SNK fan because there's just no one really good place to go to to get all their games. No, it's it's, it's all spread throughout, and I th- I think the yeah. system they should have stuck with for the whole gamut in terms of the quality of emulation. It's the same people that did those that you were bragging about that did the 3DS Sega ports, didn't they? Do the yeah. on uh, PS3? They did a awesome. Were, were they the ones doing those? Because yeah, the Neo Geo station on PS3 was actually really good. I thought that was them. I was pretty confident it was. I, it, it might, it might be, yeah. Yeah. Now the weird thing on the Wii, and I don't, I only know this recently because I'm a Wii U owner within the last year. Otherwise, I wouldn't have this knowledge. You know, the original Wii Shop had quite a yeah. selection, like, and we're talking like Sengoku One Two Three, Sam One Two, or uh. Yeah, at least a couple of Samurai Shodans that has both Shock Troopers on there. There's quite a mix, but, you know, nothing is ever perfect. Issue there is, you know, fucking the controllers. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, everything is so spread and incomplete, you know? But, I mean, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm looking at this, this Neo Geo Station, right, for the, for the PS3. Right. Um, let me tell you the games. Magician Lord. Fatal Fury. Metal Slug. KLF 94, Samurai Showdown, Super Sidekicks, Art of Fighting, Alpha Mission 2, League Bowling, Baseball Stars Professional. Like, seriously, nobody wants most of these games. <laughs> nobody wants Sam Show. They want Sam Show 2. Nobody wants, nobody wants Fatal Freaking Fury. They, they do have Shock Troopers on there. Do they really? Yeah. I, okay, I, maybe, I, maybe, maybe they have more games than like they're actually listed on their website. There's, so there's not, not many more. I could, the only reason I own, I think, like six or seven of them. Hmm, yeah, okay. but like I own, I own Metal Slug One, Two, Cough. Okay, you're right. Yeah, six. yeah. Okay, so yeah, so so they they also have Shock Troopers, 
uh, KOF 95 and 6, World Heroes, um, and Baseball Stars 2. Yeah. But again, that, like... That's it. The only they... bone, the only yeah. unique bone they really threw in there was Shock Troopers. Why start with Sam Show? Why start with Art of Fighting? It's right. like, when you're, when you're doing a collection, that's, that's totally cool. That's great. Release the entire thing. When you're releasing them piecemeal like this, release the games people actually want to buy and pay for. You know, like Metal Slug, Metal Slug 1 and 2. Nobody wants those. They want 3. You know, release 3, and then you can go back and release the older ones at some point if you want to. It's, it's like they – I don't know if it's like a money grab by them or I don't know if they just like are insane or if they just overvalue their older games or what. But it's, it's one of the most frustrating things being an SNK fan is just they keep doing these let's release our old games over and over again on new systems and they always seem to like want to start from scratch. What I tell myself being an adult and I have to put everything to dollars in business – I tell myself, looking at this, that there's got to be some stuff going on behind the scenes or something in that office that we're not aware of. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not yeah. not thinking that it's a good answer or a positive answer. Like, I don't know if it's just, I don't know, lack of workforce, lack of direction, or maybe ink like certain contracts for X amount of time, or maybe they made promises elsewhere, like with Neo Geo X, or put focus and you know into something else, and they're short staffed. Like, I, I'm totally guessing out my ass. But like that's the only thing I can think of because business-wise, why wouldn't you get a structured plan on PS3 and 360? Yeah. There's like 70-plus million consoles uh, user base for each platform. And why wouldn't you just keep a steady stream of that going until your library is complete? And uh, I mean I know people say that like, okay, the virtual console is not to ROM dump. You can't just ROM dump. But to some level, SNK could literally just ROM dump, you know? They could come up with a really, really good PS3 emulator. Well, we saw the, the structures there with what yeah. they have. With what they have, so it's not even far fetched. Like, you know, like they have so, a set. Like they had, you know, the menus set up. How they have the nice color. They did nice digital art uploads and those things. Uh, like, even if you don't put that much work into it, like, yeah. well, I don't, I don't know why you can't just throw them up on there. You know. And get them there. And not to get off topic, uh, SNK, at least on the PlayStation platform, is not the only guilty party of weird stuff like that. Oh, no. Turbo Graphics and uh, – oh. Yeah. Now, the Japanese store got a whole hell of a lot more, which is where I got a lot of my Turbo downloads. But that's another um, area where – what happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. Wait, like, okay, so wait, the Neo Geo Station Facebook page is still updating? Get the hell out. <laughs> they had a, from, oh, okay, they're different things. So then like Metal Slug 3, but it's Metal Slug 3 for iOS. Okay. That Yeah, is that like the official? Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. Blazing Star for iOS. Okay. I wonder who runs that. That's what I want to know. And then what I can't figure out, I asked them a question because they speak in English and it may have been a dumb question. The official SNK page on Twitter their handle is like G Mantle, and I asked them. I'm like, yes. "What does what does that mean?" It's a it's a character. I'm trying to think like where he comes from. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like an SNK character. Um, he was used as a mascot for the Neo Geo before Terry Bogart. 
Is it that weird freaky looking thing with the white face yeah. and cape? Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? His first in-game appearance was in Blue's Journey. His most memorable appearance was a taxi driver in Fatal Fury King of Fighters. Like, I mean, I, I knew a little of him, but I really could not have told you, like, where he was from unless wow. I actually looked it up. So. Um, but, okay, so uh, the the interesting part for me, like, one of the interesting things was, was for the, the Neo Geo Pocket. Like, I got into a really weird collector mode with this thing um, because there, there weren't a lot of releases and there were a, a lot of a lot of the releases were strangely staggered like um, Europe got some games we never got uh, and Europe got some games in clamshells where in America some of the early games were clamshells and they went to those just cardboard boxes uh, so I really got into collecting for the Neo Geo Pocket, and I got into this thing where I was actually making replacement case sleeves for games that didn't have clamshells. Wow. So I, I had found somebody. I don't know who they were, but because um, I, I, for a long time, I had been part of like SNK groups, like on the news groups or the email lists or whatever. I found somebody who had the empty clamshells for the uh, Neo Geo Pocket games. And I bought like 20 or 30 of them. And now you're actually... talking the snap cases? Yep, yep, yep. Like the mini Neo Geo style? Yep, yep. Wow. See, and I didn't even know those existed until a couple of years ago because I thought the cases we got were pretty cool. And then when I found that out, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, because you know, cause originally we got them like in that case, but then they switched to the more cardboard versions. Uh, you know, I never saw the... And I worked at a store at the time when we got that, and maybe it was just because it was a smaller store. I, I never saw a hard case. Uh, Interesting. At least that I remember, because I have about a half dozen pocket games, and they're all in the cardboard. Huh. Which I thought, which I thought those were done nice too. Yeah, no, they weren't bad. No, but but, I but was, shit, yeah, yeah. I mean, not having seen, I had no idea. Do you have any? You still have some of the hard case? No, unfortunately. Um, well, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I just have too many collections. Right. So in just one shot, I sold my entire pocket collection. Wow. Can I be rude and ask how, how much did that fetch? Oh, I don't even remember. But it it was it was a nice a- amount because, I mean, I I had like um, a lot of the really rare games. Mm. Like I had the Evolution games in, in the hard cases. I had Fossilay, I had Dive Alert, I had wow, um Wow. There were there were some of the oh, some of the really crazy rare ones from I'm I'm gonna say I get a list and tell you like which ones I had. Because I, I know there were like some like only came out in Europe or um only came out in really lim- limited release. What games did I have, for example? Because it wasn't like a square a square game or something like that. Um oh no no, what was it? Uh uh was it front mission? No. Mm. No, 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 no. I, I'm thinking Fossilay. Yeah. So right. I had, I, had, I had Fossilay. I had Cotton. Um, of course, I had Baseball Stars, Bust Move Pocket, Puzzle Bobble, uh, Cool Borders I had. Oh, wow. I f- totally forgot that was yes. on there. Uh, wow. Crush Roller, Dark Arms, um, Dive Alert, Dynamite Slugger. I had the Evolution game, uh, Fatal Fury, of course. Um all the King of Fighters games. 
Last Blade, Magic yeah, Drop. That's I a have. hell. Of, that's a hell of a pocket collection. Yeah, uh, the Metal Slugs. the The biggest I know I was missing was there was that 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 weird like Gambare Neo Pokecoon. Oh, look, like that. I, I shouldn't admit this on the show. The only reason I know that one is because I played it on emulation. Yes. Uh, so yeah, the weird like mascot kind of game. Yeah. But that game and uh, that game is interesting to note because that was kind of like a WarioWare. Yeah, because it was like a, a weird like kind of just really unique title. Right. Right. Um, I had P- uh, Puyo Puyo, uh, Pac Man. I don't. <laughs> think i had rockman battle and fighters i don't think i had that one well i don't even know if i knew that that was even on there the sam show the gals <laughs> fighters card clash on the hedgehog so i mean i had like a whole lot of like these really crazy um rare games because I, I did a lot of ordering from like i almost never got games from europe i did like a lot of ordering from europe um to get the ones that we never got here or that wow. we never gotten in hard cases. So I, I, I had a really good collection and I was just like, you know what? I'm like, I had this collection just to have a collection at a certain point. It's like, I don't really only have to play these anymore. I'd have them just to have them. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to just get rid of them because I was, I was going to move to Japan for a while. I needed some money and I just needed not have as much stuff. And so that's why I got rid of them. But so, so you 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 still have some games now. Like how how into the pocket were you? Well, this is it's a really weird story with the pocket because <clears throat> backtrack a little. Of the handhelds you mentioned earlier, there were a few of them that I really wanted bad as well growing up. But long story short, again, Neo Geo Pocket was the first handheld I'd ever owned. Hmm. First wow. one I ever bought. Had been a gamer obviously for many years, but you know the handheld market never. Couple systems intrigued me, like the Turbo Express. I remember really wanting, and I remember really wanting the Nomad. But when it was all said and done, Neo Geo Pocket was the one that made me jump. Big fan of SNK. It was color, uh, you know, good price. They offered the different colored units. I was working at a game store at the time, et cetera, et cetera. The I guess the interesting thing though is and I and I enjoyed it and I did not regret it. You know, I only wound up buying about a half dozen games, which I still own. I still have I have like the marble blue pocket and mm. handful of games. It wasn't because I didn't like it. I, I really enjoyed it, but the lifespan was short. And yeah. then my money at the time was going between not only that system, but the dream, you know, big into the Dreamcast. And then PlayStation 2 was on the horizon, and I imported a PS2. But I don't regret the Neo Geo Pocket. And it's very interesting because because of the Neo Geo Pocket, and I don't want to speak crazy talk like if I didn't buy that, I may still to this day not have ever owned a handheld. But the weird thing is, is ever since buying the Pocket, I've bought almost every damn handheld. Really? <laughs> since Yeah, like, like what I mean is like after the Pocket – then I got a Game Boy Advance. Like that was the first Nintendo handheld I ever bought. Like hmm. I finally felt like, oh, you know, Nintendo had to put out a system that was, you know, finally really superior to Game Boy. And then I wound up getting uh uh what a SP, then a DS, the Lite, the three DS, the PSP, a Vita. So literally all the major handheld consoles, I haven't missed one now since the pocket, but it was the pocket that was the first. And, you know, if Neo Geo never put that out, 
it's kind of interesting. I don't know what my first handheld console would have been or if I would have ever bought a handheld console. That's interesting. That really is. Yeah. But I mean, like, like I think you like one of those games, I mean, like, I mean, the systems where it was just, it was unique enough and strange enough and crazy enough that it kind of got you to appreciate handheld it, games. And then it even had limited, but it had connectivity with the Dreamcast. I was going to say, that was so weird that you could like plug it into the Dreamcast and connect together. That was when SNK and Capcom, they had that close relationship with Sega. Because, you know, doing their good conversions on their Saturn and Dreamcast platforms. And then, um, you know, and you figure S- Sega didn't have, if you think about it, Sega didn't have a handheld at the time. You know? Yeah. But... But yeah, you know, good memories, and I know the fans can't see this, but not to keep plugging them, but you know, I sent you some of those articles. If you go back and read the those SNK that three parter mm-hmm. of the articles I sent you, you'll see some of these stories come back up. And there's some there's some interesting stories they tell about. Uh, I don't have the names in front of me, but I'll give you a quick one. The the people in America that handled the Neo Geo because the black and white technically did come here. Before the the color got announced rapidly, because Nintendo released the the Game Boy Color or whatever, right, right. The people in charge of the American site who actually did have a history with SNK, I don't know if they got like lazy or they didn't do a good job promoting or doing their job, and they only sold two of them via the site. Really? Oh, it, it, dude, you got you gotta wow. you gotta read those those articles. Yeah, like, yeah I, I, I read the first, so I didn't read the last part. Well. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And then it, you know, I, I getting my kicks here at home. I laugh because they talk about how the president at SNK or whatever saw that, and you know, they didn't say it this way, but you know, pretty much shit bricks, and you know, was probably you know pissed off, and then got rid of them and put. But it's interesting because a turning point for the positive in the U.S. with. SNK at that time was uh, I think it was Ben Herman, and it's weird because I met him at E three ninety nine. Is E three ninety nine was a good one? Did you go to ninety nine? I feel um, so that would have been the last. I feel like I did. That was pretty interesting. Because that was my first ever E three because I finally turned eighteen, and that was the one that Cap- was. That was a great year for me because Capcom actually had a couple arcade units in their booth which is which is stunning to even think of to see E3 and I remember they had the early versions of CVS1 which I shit my pants on and then they had Strider uh Strider 2 hmm. and I remember I tried taking with the old school camera I tried sneaking a couple shots of Strider 2 and I was told not to <laughs> and but anyway at that year SNK had a presence <clears throat> this is weird too so at the SNK booth, and there was I think his name was Ben Herman. Hope I got that right. And then I met him, and I shook his hand. It was a small booth, and it was weird because in the booth there was uh, a handful of Neo Geo uh, AES games, not like on display to play, but just like for display purposes in the case. And here's a real random – I'm trying to think if it was 99 or 2000. It had to be 99 because the pocket wasn't even around that long. God, I can't believe it's this long ago, Shidoshi. So yes. also at 99, the other thing I can't believe – that this is the only thing that's not adding up right now, but I know it was at the S&K booth. I know I'm not making this up. There was a weird promo piece, and I knew it being into wrestling and fighting for Bob Sapp. 
Hmm. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, Yeah, which yeah. was weird. Like, I couldn't figure out the connection. And, that, you know, maybe I had my Neo Geo stuff a little... That must have been right when I got the actual Neo Geo system we talked about earlier because I remember going there and I was like, oh, yeah. And, like, I ordered X, Y, and Z from NeoGeo.com. It was either 99 or 2000 because a couple of the E3s I went to, SNK did have a presence for a couple of those years. Because I, I remember one of the E3s that I went to, um, they had a whole bunch of Neo Geo Pocket Color units out. And that's where I played, like, um, I want to say Sam Show for the first time. And maybe King of Fighters R2 for the first time. Um, because I remember, ugh, I'm trying to think of like, because cause Game Fan died at the end of 2000. And I remember being, because I was working back from home, I remember coming out to, to California. I remember going to the Game Fan offices. So this had to be, I, I want to say it was 2000, like 99 or 2000. Um, but I remember, I remember that somebody at the office had the black and white Neo Geo Pocket. And I remember playing that a little bit because this was before I owned one. Was it Nick? So it had to... No, 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 because no, no, no. Nick was gone at this point. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I... So if, um, so okay, the 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 black and white one came out in ninety eight. So it had to have been had to have been ninety nines. The 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 point I'm thinking about is is ninety nines e three because that would have been before. The color version came out in America. Maybe it was two thousand. I was at both. I was definitely. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it was because yeah, it could have been like <clears throat> they could have got it from Japan and then just right not gotten the color version as well. But I, I do remember playing that for the first. That was the first time I ever played the Pocket. Was it a game fan playing the black and white version, um, and then seeing the color version at E three and just playing like all the games and and have, they had this big kind of like arced booth. Um, we had a bunch of units set up for it. Now, do you remember? Because uh, that was SNK. That was more in one of the main floor areas, if I'm remembering correctly. But then I also remember the year when they were in that Kentia Hall. Yeah, that's the, that's the other thing I'm thinking of. Is because they they were not main floor when I'm because they were in the downstairs because it was like better lit and everything. Right. We must have got it's crazy. We must have been well. We had to have been there. Obviously, just didn't. Yeah. Um. So wait, I have to. I'm so sorry for getting off base. So I have to ask you this. And I don't know why I never asked you this. So we were at some of those same E3s then. So I have to ask: If you were in the Kentia Hall, did you watch FMW live like I did? I I did one of the years. Yes. Oh, we must have been. I mean, I can't believe this. Now we must have been standing. I remember, like, was that? Were they doing something with you, like to- Tokyo Pop or something? Yeah. That's what it was, yes. Because they were, they were, Tokyo Pop was doing the VHS release. We had to have, I mean, FNW. not knowing it at the time, we had to have been right next to each other. Yes. No, because yeah, I, I remember going, because I, I talked to the Tokyo Pop people a lot. So I remember going down to their booth and watching one of the, uh, the matches down there. Wow. Did, yeah. did you witness the part where they let me, and then they wound up letting other people, there was, I was with myself, a couple of the guys, and then they let some other people in the ring? I don't remember. For autographs recall, and stuff? I don't recall that. I'm not sure, though. And then, uh, so you probably talked, what was it, Watanabe? You know what? I should, I should, I should, because I feel like I might have photographs of that. I should go see if I can pick up my photographs. Well, I'll tell you the most insane thing because of the internet. 
I've found footage of it on YouTube. Huh. Yeah, so there's footage that exists. But anyway, yeah, so that's nuts. So so you may also remember taking this trip down memory lane. So SNK was in Kentia. They had Tokyo Pop. And you also remember there, it might have been that same year, there was Game Park. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was like the handheld, right? Yeah. The the Korean handheld. Yeah. 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 No, the thing is, like, like I loved Kentia Hall back when it was, like, really bustling and alive. Um, because that was where you went to see, like, all just the crazy little companies. You you never heard of that they weren't big enough to be in the main halls or they they were doing some wacky stuff. Yeah, I love yeah you know, all the obscure stuff. Yeah, you know what do do they even have the current E threes? Do they even have Kentia Hall open? I was trying to think because I, I I feel like they don't have it open at this point. Um, so I was just looking at the map of the day to see where stuff was at. Um, because they have I mean the thing is is they have like all the meeting rooms they use and the kind of the, the concourse area. And then it's almost kind of like there aren't enough companies there to need Cantia hall because the smaller companies can be in one of the two big halls. Mm. Um, May I throw one more random one out there at you? Sure. Do you remember at the E3? Seeing that Metal Slug clone, the arcade, the uh, was it Dolphin Blue? Oh, that sounds really familiar. I might have the name wrong, but it was the shooter. I tell you, if you glanced, it had a Metal Slug look, but it was uh, – and it was uh, Sammy, and it was on – I think it was on that Atomus wave. Yeah, that sounds really And I remember funny. I was like, whoa, this looked awesome, and like I, can't, I want this to come home. Now, there's a game. That never came home. But I do believe that game does exist in full arcade form because of YouTube videos I've watched. But, yeah, that was uh, – yeah, there's another interesting one. Let's see. Let's I mean stuff like, like that. Stuff like that is what kind of made E3 it during those years. Dolph- like fi- Dolph- Dolphin Blue. Yeah. Yep. What year you does- know, I mean like, like, like you know, I um, – look, I, I, I still love going – to E3. Like to this day, I still love it. Um, actually, wait, wait. Actually, it came out. Uh, no, no, that's just not Thomas Wave uh, box art. Okay. Um, I still love going to E3. Absolutely do. But there's kind of like there. It, it there is kind of like some of the excitement isn't there that it used to be because it just used to be, um, you know, just easier for all the companies to be there and have big gigantic booths and have a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, so I, I kind of feel like it's just a little more low key now, you know, like, it's like, okay, you go, you go to a meeting room and talk to people, but just the kind of pageantry has gone a little bit from, from what it used to be. Um, it's still busy as all fudge though, isn't it? Like, it's, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it, it's kind of like, and I was talking to a coworker the other day too, about just the fact that like so many of the games get leaked now. So, you know, it's coming up ahead of right. time. Because there's so many internet sites and stuff, you know all this stuff. You know, it's it's just before it used to be like you go there and you see all this stuff that you just didn't expect or you didn't know anything about. Well, it's and you know, and the other thing is, is that streaming has improved so much so yeah, much yeah, since our yeah. day. Like you remember, it used to be laggy and not dependable. Yeah. I mean, now it's like Jesus Christ, you know. Well, no, it's funny because like, like I'm going to the press conferences, you know. Um, now, now that makes me jealous because I would like being there for that would be cool. 
But on, on one hand, though, you know what? It's actually like because like getting parked for the Xbox One is nightmare um, because of where they're at. Um, because there's no actual parking. It's all valet. Oh, I didn't – you know, I'm not even thinking straight. That's right because that stuff's not even at the center. It's at the right. – uh, no, no. it's, it's, it's different places, yeah. That's um, right. So like it's actually almost easier just to sit home and watch streams now because they're they're so good. Um, right. Yeah, I've but done I mean, it. But no, no, it's it's still fun going though. It really is. I think. Look, going with someone, or like, let's say, if I was going with you, or going with Neil, or like going with someone again, like I always, this is what I say now that I'm older. I I do have intentions, and I definitely want to get back down there at some point. But the, my reason now is like to either meet up with you, some other people I've connected with, but if you said, Anthony, do I now at this stage want to go down there? let's take the industry aspect out or meeting people or friends like to go that down there just for the games. My answer right now would be no. Yeah. Because of the internet. You know what I mean? Because of right. the internet, the, o- the only show, the only thing really on my bucket list and it's a shame now because it's a shell of its former self. The one thing I've never done that I would like to do one day is I'd like to go to Tokyo game show. Yeah. I mean, Tokyo game show is, is, is interesting. Um, I, I, I definitely still enjoy going but the reason i enjoy going to tgs is because it gives me a chance to uh sit down and talk to japanese developers that maybe i can't get a chance to otherwise right you know like because like last year i went and i talked to the people behind danganronpa and i was sitting there like saying i'm so excited that this is coming to america and all this kind of stuff and and they're like wow you know we're, we're actually shocked that you know what this game is you know <laughs> and then and then i went to i went to a party uh, the next night, and two of the guys were there, so it's like me and these two guys from the Dongan Robot team are just sitting there, like just drinking, you know, drinking alcohol and like chatting and stuff, you know. Right, they were probably thrilled because you made that connection right. and they remembered you. Or, or like you know, remember the the Japanese developer that Phil Fish, uh, bitched at. Yeah, I think he's still. F- or follows me on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so I used to work at Square. Yeah, so I've met him. I, I know him, and you know, I'll, I'll talk to him whenever I see him over there and stuff. Um, so that to me is like the really one of the fun, great parts about TGS. Not necessarily the, the show itself, but the chance to see those Japanese developers. And because you're a foreigner over there, and there aren't a whole lot of foreigners going, they kind of have a little more fun talking to you versus talking to like Japanese press and stuff. Mm. Um, so that, that, that's like one of the really cool parts about TGS, but it, the show itself is kind of sad, just knowing what it had to have been in earlier years and what it is now. Right. There's still a lot to see and do, but it's like, you can definitely feel like, man, this show probably used to be just amazing. Mm. So, mm. and, oh, just like oh, the lines are just, like, when, so not last year, but the year before last. So that would have been right before the Vita came out. So twenty two, uh, maybe. So twenty twenty twelve had to okay. Be. Um, I think Vita was like November of that year. So on the so Thursday and Friday are like the days when like uh, it's only media and business and stuff, and Saturday and Sunday are the public days. Yeah, that's what I've read. I've only seen shots in like old magazines and stuff. Yeah, that's right. the hitch, right? Because right. then they open it up to everyone. So on the on Saturday when it opened up, 
the line for playing the Vita got to a point that within a half hour of the show, they had closed the line already. For the, the like the day? For the entire day. <laughs> because the people in line at that point, if you got in line then, you would not get to play one by the end of the day. So there were literally people who their entire day of being at TGS was playing a Vita demo. Now, can I talk stupid talk here for a second? Sure. So that's an interesting point. Now, look, I know it's a show. It's a, it's a new item at the time, so there's that mystique and interest. But if there was that much interest, what like – I, how has it been doing in Japan, the Vita? Like, how, why isn't it doing better then? It's, I mean, it's, um, well, I think part of it was just like it was a brand new thing and they were really curious about it. But actually, I mean, the Vita isn't doing terribly, but it's not doing terribly compared to everything else. You, you know what I think? You know what I really think? And whatever, and, and I think we called this at the time, whatever money it would have taken, they should have just ponied it up. I know to, what you're going to say. To, to have gotten Monster Hunter on it. Exactly. Yep. No, I, I, that's. Would it, yeah. I mean. I, Sony's thing is, and they've always said this, and this is, this seems to be their, their big thing, is they do not want to pay for exclusives. Like, they will pay for exclusive content and things like that, but they do not want to pay for actual exclusives. Um, and we, when, when they first announced that Final Fantasy, uh, 13 was going to xbox 360 as well yes i probably would have said they were dumb for letting that go it in hindsight it didn't really matter you know right uh but um there's been a couple of times like like i think i think sony should have tried to keep metal gear maybe but i don't know if that matters as much anymore or not they yeah for fu- i don't you know what they kept they got four yeah, they got four. But I mean, Guns like, of the Patriots, which which was a big, they really needed that at that time too, because that's when Sony wasn't selling that well. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean. Like right now, between you and me for Phantom Pain, uh, I I agree with you, and I'm a big, big Metal Gear fan. I think at this point, you're right. Like for them to hold on to that, not okay. How how do I put this? It would be damaging if Metal Gear that new version became an exclusive to Microsoft. And it's right. not even like they'd lose the war or whatever, but it it wouldn't be good. But but that whole Monster Hunter thing, and especially in Asia, whatever Capcom, they should have given Capcom a check, yes. a blank check, and said fill it out and make sure we get Monster Hunter. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like I think I think one time when they absolutely should have paid for the exclusive was Monster Hunter because I think that would have made a real difference in getting the Vita like off its feet. No doubt. Having it be more popular. Shit. If they could somehow reverse it right now, I think it'd make a difference right now. You know what yeah, I mean? I, I wonder. I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't know if it's as strong as it used to be, but I definitely think it is definitely still strong enough that, um, Sony should like, it's just funny. Like, it's funny sometimes, like, like okay, Sony, I know you don't want to do that very often, but there's some times when you really should be thinking about this. And Monster Hunter was a time when they should not have let Monster Hunter go to 3DS. No. It was just, that was a stupid move on their part. 
Uh, but okay, so let's finish this up by, with another stupid move, and that is the last part of the Neo Geo conversation. And that is a Neo Geo. I don't even know what it's called. The X, X Neo Gold. Geo X. The Gold Neo Geo X. X. Yeah, and then yes. there was the Gold. Yeah, Gold set. So, I think. So years and years after. S S N K's. Well, okay. There, I mean, there was a sixty four, but the Hyper Neo Geo sixty four. Yes. Yeah. I don't even know if there's like much to even say about the Hyper. There's Neo a handful Geo. of cards. I'll give a cheap. I'll do a plug here. I don't know the guy personally, but I've talked about his YouTube page in the past, and we've this evening. Shidoshi and I have talked everything from arcade boards to carts to old style arcade like Jamma boards. You you name it. The Neo Geo Pocket, old handhelds, and now to the Neo Geo X and all this stuff. Go to Luke Morse 1, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-S-E, and then the number one, go to his page. He literally has done well over a 1,000 YouTube videos over the last five to eight years. I dare say I've seen just about every one of them. And through that, I've learned uh, the innards of uh, everything from old consoles, watching his repairs, soldering, um, taking a trip down memory lane, repairing old arcade boards. He's taken – so all this stuff, uh, check it out because stuff that we've touched base on this evening – uh, it's a free education for uh, retro and hardcore gamers on that page. He, he does uh, he does an awesome job. He lives in Japan. Uh, he's been there a little while, and uh, he seems like a he seems like a good guy. I've interacted with him very lightly on uh, Facebook and a little bit on YouTube. Uh, between you and me, that's that is one interview I always wanted on the show, hmm. and I never got. But uh, yeah, so yeah, you'll learn about all this. And but yeah, it's. Uh, but back to what you were saying, yeah, Neo Geo X. One well, of no, the, no, no, uh, like, like like real quick though, like the so Hyper Neo Geo sixty four. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that's why I say that. Yeah, so he's yeah. got Hyper Neo carts and all that on there. That's why I say that Beast Busters, the driving game, all the different cab styles. Uh, that's why I mentioned them. So yeah, you can find out all, about all that stuff on there. Yeah, and that came out in ninety seven, and there was talk that they might do a home version of that which sounded kind of crazy but also you're like okay you know i'm a little excited by the idea but that didn't really go anywhere it was around for like two years or so and then didn't get much traction um and obviously of course uh i think they had the issues of of bankruptcy and then uh they got purchased by was it odyssey yeah that sounds right i want to say that that's who purchased them and then um you know, that just was not going well. And then the original founder comes back and, and he repurchases rights to the SNK stuff. So they start, they come back as SNK play more. Because, uh, yeah, because it, it went defunct. In like, yeah, he uh, stayed. They something. went out, they got picked up. And just for nerds out there listening, I believe I wrote his name down. It was Akichi Kawasaki was the original yeah. founder. Yeah. And then there's a weird a weird period where um, that Korean company was kind of doing SNK stuff. Yeah, and this is not from my notes. I don't know if it was it like Evoga or Mega. Yeah, God, what was it? Something. They, they they did like some of the um, like it's King of Fire 2000, 2001, they I did, think, were, were there, were there They games. did 01 because 2000 was the last one by the original SNK team, as was Metal Slug 3. Eolith, yeah, Eolith. That's right. Um, so they were doing stuff for a while, and and you know then SNK came back, and they've they've had some moderate success with some games. They there was a line of um, 3D King of Fighters, 
was maximum impact i think yeah which which were not terrible but i i never really got too much into them no i bought one of them cheap and yeah touched it like twice um they released a really really terrible 3d samurai showdown that came out for for xbox 360 over here called samurai spirits sen and that's well, a more recent center, one. Center, yeah, center, that's center, not center, even yeah. the one from the hyper. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're exactly right. And it was just awful. Although um, the although the art, the portraits and stuff were pretty good. Yeah. If I remember yeah. correctly, that there, was the there, only. There, yeah. there were a few decent things about it, but like yeah. the game is just. But the game was terrible. Um, and then of course you know they 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 kind of went through a rebirth of 2D with uh, King of Fighters 13, 12, and thirteen, um, which I think twelve was rough. You you could tell that they were at a point where they had to release something, right? You know, um, to get some money coming in, and that was kind of rough. Thirteen came in and fixed a lot of problems, but it still has just uh, at least last I played it had really terrible netcode, which is oh. kind of in their downfall. Right. I was going to say, as a game itself, though, King of Fighters thirteen was by far their first bright spot in for yeah. original content in many years. And I, I really hope that that. They can keep going on, and I mean, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if they had the ability to, you know, bring other games back. Like they had, you know, they've been working on a, a Mark of the Wolves two, which I would love to see. Boy, I've been reading that rumor for like the last yeah decade. But, yeah, but I, 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 feel like, I feel you, like it was in process, though. Yeah, it, there's got to be something out there laying around, like some sort of prototype or early sketches or something. Yeah, but um, so let's see. Thirteen was. 2010 really is that how long it's been now wow i didn't realize it was that long ago so like yeah what have they been, yeah they've been doing since then then <laughs> other than ios garbage and patchy slot uh god did you see that that um that really impressive like cg for the fury <laughs> that went on recently oh yeah and you're like man this looks so good and you're like oh it's for patchy slot yeah um That's yeah, all, to, to, yeah. 2011 was the release of 13, so I don't I don't know what's going on with them. I'm just hoping they're taking like either laying low and adding a bunch of stuff for 14, or maybe I'm kidding myself. I mean, I don't know. Said so I, I would I would love to see them be in a position where they could, you know, do a new Last Blade in in the same kind of quality as as King of Fighters 13. You know, that would be or, insane. Or or whatever else, but. Uh, we'll see. Is, is, is patchy slot related to the pachinko industry in Japan? Well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, it's it's the the name patchy slot obviously is is pa- like pachin- but, yeah, because pachinko and slot machines together. So is that um, where you get the little silver so, silver balls, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I think the way it works is because pachinko is is the more old school. Um, you shoot the balls up, and then whenever they fall. You kind of get points or whatever, right? Like I, I, I played pachinko while I was living there, and I and I didn't understand it, and I didn't have fun, so I didn't think about it much. Uh, but patchy slot, I, I think the official way it works is that's the one where like they have the more slot machine aspects as part of the game. So they have like the the, the tumblers inside that if you get the balls go through a certain area, they'll start spinning around. And has like the little video monitors on it that do things. So if you kind of if you kind of think of like if you go to a, a, a casino right now, and just how weird and crazy like slot machines have gotten. Yes, I've actually seen within the last couple of years. Yes. Yeah, think about like 
that kind of style like merged together with pachinko. Mm, and that's still the thing in Japan because gambling's illegal. They take the silver balls across the street and they can turn it in for money. Yeah, I've like I've. Uh, Here's my inappropriate it's, it's, it's comment yeah. for my long-winded thing, and this is so way out of line and judgmental and just. I mean, look, so here's the point for me. This patchy slot business is essentially the closest thing they've got to gambling, which turns into gambling because I saw a thing once. I don't know what show or whatever the hell I watched. So you can do prizes. Like you can take this stuff and you can turn it in. Whereas here in the U.S., you've got legal gambling. In Japan, I dare say it's not. So you can get like a camera, goodies, whatever. But then if you walk outside the establishment nearby, and a lot of the times how it works, you can take those silver balls or whatever your winnings. But then you can – there's a loophole. Like you can exchange them because – I don't know if it's because you're selling them or the entity you're selling it to is technically not related to the patchy slot place, whereas you get money then. Hmm. So my my – my fantasy head of uh you know of always reading manga and yakuza and, and <laughs> crime stories is that there has got to be some funny business like whenever i read about sega and sammy and like snk especially and the reason i make this disgusting assumption is that like you hit the nail on the head it's like what are they what are they doing like where's the money coming in so we know their right. profits and stuff are coming in from stuff this side endeavor and that's and when you're talking gambling i mean you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, you know, Lord, Lord knows what's going on to, you know what I mean? To, to get a few extra bucks if they're not making games. Yep. You know, but yeah, I said, man, that pachinko stuff is just weird to me. Um, yeah. I mean, you hit the, you know, and obviously maybe that's, that's where they got some profits or maybe that's just keeping them afloat. But like, look at like, they do have the, they do have the iOS stuff and the handheld stuff. But it's all that rehash. But like the only new content they've done in the last three to four years has was that new King of Fighters. Yeah. I mean, isn't I, that I, I didn't realize at this point that it was like that yeah. old. Yeah. Because it, it came out. It came out console wise in 2011. It's like God, that's right. Because just... they waited. You're right. You know, I forgot about that. Because they, they did release the arcade first, and then. You know, this would be the dream is that, you know, King of Fighters 13 has stayed alive in popularity on the Evo scene. And, and, it, and it, is, it has been like the, oh, one yeah. of the more exciting things to watch, thankfully. It was, been, it was like I remember, uh, was it now two Evos ago when they first really started doing King of Fighters 13? Um, was, it, was it 12, 2012 when that first really They didn't happened? put oh, – oh, yeah, you mean the year? Yeah, uh, yeah, 12, yeah. Yeah, I think that's right because, yeah, yes. Because I watched that and I was shocked by just how engrossing like watching thirteen was at Evo. Like I, I was not expecting that block of of gameplay to be that fun to watch. It, it was amazing, and, and and you know, and they're doing it again this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I watched last year too, and it was just it was so much fun to watch <laughs> King of Fighters. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like I don't even follow the 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 uh the pro players that closely but i could still tell you i know they do that one it was it was the arcade shock reynold yeah i'm pretty yeah i mean it's yep. because the it was that memorable you know what i mean yeah and you know but the perfect thing in my mind would be is they're milking it another year deservedly you know the awesome thing would be like you remember a few years ago at capcom after their tournament they surprised everyone with you know street fighter tekken at the time which was well received then 
you know, wouldn't it be awesome this year if SNK unveiled King of Fighters 14 after the 13 tournament? That'd be nice. And I mean, like the thing is, like at this point, it's been long enough that they could actually boost the roster up pretty considerably. Right. That's that's what I think too. Because I mean, it, it does take a little while to have them get all their sprites. Oh, it's. I used to know the stat, and I don't. It's been a while yeah, since was, I looked at it. Was it was like one of those Gran Turismo stats, like where you read if one developer alone was doing a car in Gran right. Turismo, it's like six months. And that's right. what like this was like for uh, a hand-drawn sprite. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's it's weird because, I mean, like, you look at kind of look at Ark, and Ark just pumps these characters out. Oh, I don't know what they're doing. The only diff- the only thing I can say in this is, you know, their backgrounds and stuff are more 3D modeled or the way they do their development. But still, I mean, that's... That's no easy task. And then I got to tell you, speaking of Ark, I was so excited. That new Guilty Gear looks awesome. Yeah, it does. And it's 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 3D, <clears throat> but it actually really looks, you know, like a 2D fighter. It looks like, I mean, to me, I can't believe it. It looks like an anime. Yeah. You know what I mean? And did you see it was just announced yesterday? It's hitting North America this fall. Yep. I actually, I actually uh, knew that ahead of time. Oh. It was a secret. Listen to you, Mister yeah. uh, Insider. They, yeah. they. Uh, I don't expect you to answer, but did did you get a hard date? Uh I let me let me see if I I don't if, I don't, if it's I September. Don't there's already another fighting. There's already another fighting game. I also want to get in September already. That Persona like, Four uh, Ultimax. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that 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 too. And again, like that's an example of Arc. Like, because Arc's doing that and. Uh, Blade Blue at the exact same time. So I mean, they're they're uh, they're busting some ass on. Uh, yeah, I don't know on, what the hell they're doing. Two D fighters. Yeah, they're they're pumping it out. I don't I don't know that I have an exact date for it. Um, have you seen it run in person? No, all I've seen are are the uh, the videos that you've probably seen. Mm. And they. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, because I would be shocked if we get this home version and don't get some additional roster. Yeah, I don't know what the arcade roster was, but I'm assuming it was. Well, how many was it? Do you know? Uh, It was a pretty short list. Was it north of 10 or under 10? Uh, Let me me see if I can figure it out because I don't don't, – because they've been kind of quiet about stuff, but – um, and and you know how this works with Guilty Gear. I'm sure now that we have this new one, you're going to see 87 versions of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Is it Exerd? <laughs> yes, Exerd sign. <laughs> I don't know. If they even have like a full. Wait. Okay. Yeah. So arcade arcade had 13. Oh yeah. So the arcade had 13. Um, mm. But there's still some really big names like missing. So. Mm. You know, it's gonna be a question of like who gets added. Right. If I mean, I have to assume at least one or two characters get added right. for the for the home release. Mm. So okay, Neo Geo X. So so we're talking about SNK. They they did the Hyper sixty four. They did like these weird three D games. Um, finally, this point comes when this announcement comes out that hey, there's gonna be a new Neo Geo system. And you're kind of like, wait, what? You know, like well, they're doing a Neo Geo system, a new one. Why are they doing that? Um, 
And what it ends up being is SNK in conjunction with Tomo, or I should probably say what sounds like it happened was Tomo licensing from SNK decides to make a Neo Geo based handheld. This is already sounding like a bizarre idea. And not Neo Geo Pocket, mind you. This is the old school Neo Geo arcade, 24-bit arcade system. Um, so they make this handheld. And it's got a widescreen, by the way, which makes absolutely no sense. But probably because like, that's just the only thing you can get anymore in this day and age are widescreen uh, displays. So it's this widescreen handheld device that then you can get with this big dock that looks like the old school Neo Geo system and you you kind of open that system up and then you plug the handheld into the inside of it and then close <laughs> it and then you can connect it to your TV and then it comes with replica Neo Geo arcade sticks to play your games on your TV and the way that they works is there's like 15 games that are built in. Um, it might have even been, was it 15 or 20? might have even been 20. It might, it might have been 20. I'll see if I can figure that out. Um, so, listeners, listeners get a big prize if they can guess the bulk of those 20. Yeah, they'll never guess. Uh, well, no, no. No, you know no, what? That was a bad joke because it's it's the same ones we always see over and over. Well, no, that's not exactly true. That's why it's weird. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. So there, there was 20 that were embedded in. Okay. And here's the 20 that you get when, when, you, when you buy the system. You get three count bout, alpha mission two, art of fighting. So those are pretty... So far, sure. Baseball Stars 2, which is interesting. Cyberlip, Fatal Fury, Fatal Fury Special. KOF 95, mm. not, not 4. King of the Monsters, Last Resort, League Bowling, Magician Lord, Metal Slug, Mutation Nation, Nam 1975, Puzzled, Real Bout, Fatal Fury Special, Samurai Showdown 2, <laughs> Super Sidekicks and World Heroes Perfect. So this is basically they had a Neo Geo game name randomizer and they randomly just 20 times picked names <laughs> and decided that's the games that they were going to come with. But you know, if you buy the Gold Limited Edition package and this is where this gets even more just bizarre you get a copy of Ninja Masters. So they give you one extra game. Now, let's be fair. Ninja Masters, not the greatest game in the entire world. Not the game that would be like, oh, I'm getting this game as a special bonus. Because you're already getting 20, basically, ROM dumps from, from SNK. From right. Neo Geo. What's the excitement of getting one more ROM dump? You know? <laughs> and not only that, they put Ninja Masters on its own cartridge. Yeah. By itself... You get this system that has 20 games built in, and then by itself, you get one additional game. Mm. And it's like, okay, this isn't, this, that's something, all right. So then, so then, they release five packs. 
and each pack has three games. So on a cartridge, so now you have an additional cartridge that has three games on it. So this is becoming a nightmare for like how you play stuff, <laughs> right? Because like, okay, so the the first cartridge has Metal Slug Two, Sengoku, and Top Hunter. Because it doesn't make it, you know, because you wouldn't, for example, want to have all the metal slugs on one cartridge. <laughs> cartridge two. Yeah, you're making it a lot more humorous than I remember, but you're, seriously. Yeah, you're making valid points, though, yeah. Cartridge two has Samurai Showdown three, Savage Rain, and Super <laughs> Sidekicks three. They really go together, right? There's, so, no, okay. there's no rhyme or reason. First of all, at least they've learned that nobody cares about the original Samurai Showdown. That's, that's good. <laughs> Second thing is, you know what they should have done? They should actually put Art of Fighting 3 on this, so there's a bunch of 3 games, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sam Show 3, Art of Fighting 3, Super Psychic 3. They should have done that. Volume 3, The King of Fighters 96, Blazing Star, and Kizuna Encounter. Volume 4 is Mark of the Wolves, Shock Troopers, World Heroes 2 Jet... And volume five, The Last Blade, Blue's Journey, Art of Fighting 3. Okay, at the very least, they could have done, like, the fighting game pack, number one. Fighting game pack, number two. The sports pack. I mean, this is, this is like, as random as you could possibly be. So now, so now at this point, you could have your system with, with 20 games built in. You have one cartridge that has one game on it, Ninja Masters. And then you have five other cartridges that have three games each on them. This gets to a ridiculous pa- ridiculous point. So, finally, after that, <laughs> what they do is they release the Neo Geo X Mega Pack Volume 1. Now, this has all five of those previous <laughs> packs together. Okay? Now we're getting somewhere. This at least makes a little more sense. Right. Because, uh, uh, so what, we have now 15 games on one cartridge? Okay, that's a little more sensical. Now, have you seen this thing before? Uh, yes. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if you know the answer already or not. So, um, so I actually have this. And this comes in the old school Neo Geo clamshell case. You were the one that told me about that, and I was a bit jealous. Yeah. But let me ask you this: What size is that case? Is it like an? Is it? It is the, is the official case. Re- so this kind of harkens back to earlier, like so they had those cases reprinted from somewhere. Either that, or they just had to have a stock somewhere. I mean, it, it is it is Tomo, so they could have actually had really a stock somewhere. But okay, so, so this this. These cartridges that for the system are basically like SD cards. That's what, that's literally what they are. SD okay, cards. right. So you're so you're getting an S. You're getting one SD card in an old school Neo Geo clamshell. So, so that was see, my next question. So like, is it a lot of empty space when you open it up? So what they actually <clears> did, <throat> you open it and it's this big foam piece, mm. and you can actually put the handheld system in the case. Oh, okay. That's what they did. Hmm. But okay, so you're so you're getting a cartridge with fifteen Neo Geo ROMs on it. And I said you you might know this answer already, but what are you paying for this? 
Oh well, if this is if this is like uh, what is it? Amazing discoveries of yesteryear. <laughs> uh, I'll bite. Uh, let's see, fifteen Neo Geo games. Yes. Uh, let's see, thirty-five hundred dollars. No, <laughs> not today. But uh, so s- more more seriously, what would you actually think you'd be paying for this? Um. I mean, look, you know, it's tough. There's two ways you could look at it. You could be realistic about the pricing and look at what they've been pricing digital for each of respective games of like that, which average between would say seven and nine bucks. So if you did 15 times, you know, somewhere around 100 bucks, anywhere from 90 to 120 bucks, although I feel for the average consumer to make it a more friendly price, I'd say... You know, it could be as high as ninety, but they'll probably price it between maybe sixty and eighty. And and let me also remind you that SNK released a collection of sixteen classic games on PS2 for nineteen ninety nine, right? For PS2 and, and Wii as well. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. So, so you're saying between sixty and ninety. Yeah, because some of those sets on the other consoles, they are series specific, and there's some different. There's some different. Uh, I mean, the Metal Slug anthology that came out was above. That was like a forty or sixty dollar game when it came out. Yeah, I'm gonna. Say, I'll say sixty bucks. Final answer. I, you're you're kind of close, but you're 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 too low. The actual price was seventy nine ninety nine. Mm. My original train of thought was maybe a little bit more on track then. I I I. Thought this was kind of robbery for this price. I don't know. Like, I mean, look. At this point, just these games have been released so often, and they look—they are—they are—they are, on this on this system. They're literally like ROMs that are running on an emulator. Right. That's the right. That's I think the right. big part of it is mentally knowing that. Like, if this was a more specially produced, maybe a, some unique cartridge or game card that's not maybe your run-of-the-mill SD card, or if there was some sort of you know, tech or development that went into it that was truly unique, you know, maybe that price would be uh, easier, you know, right. you know, to, um, to go with. But, you know, part of the thing was I'm sure that they were saying, okay, this is going after Neo Geo enthusiasts, you know, so we can charge that much. Um, but the problem is, have, have you ever used one of these things? I owned one. I owned a gold set. Oh, used did you? It a okay. few times. Okay. But you know what? I wound up selling it earlier this year. And that and a lot of my re- and you know what I thought the unit I'm gonna be honest I thought I liked the the D pad I thought it felt pretty good I like the backing on the unit the, this is gonna sound silly yeah. but the back has a nice feel to it yeah I know there are some people that were displeased with the product I, I'm gonna be very honest I was not I thought it was uh, I thought it was a nice piece I thought it had a lot of potential going back to your Neo Geo Pocket discussion earlier I thought this was a perfect platform to get Neo Geo Pocket on there as well even if it was. Uh, you know, via emulation on those cards because it's a, it's SNK based. But what made me throw in the towel was I didn't get on those packs, even though I was going to buy them. And then secondly, when this whole Tomo deal went down, which I still don't, we still don't have clarification on. Yeah. I felt really like weird. that was going to be, unfortunately, the early end to it. Yeah. Which sucks. I, I think the problem I had with it um, was that it 
there were some parts that just were just way either undercooked or just not great. Like the interface was god awful. Um, everything about the UI was just terrible. Uh, it, it, I mean, it 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 seemed to run everything pretty well. Right. But and I they did t- do an up. They did do a firmware update, which I did not do at the time. But well, because the firmware update was impossible to actually get done. <laughs> Because you had to have like this, this you, had to, you had to have like a dongle to do it. Mm. It's like external, like weird thing, um, and that that's so that that's part of the problem too. Is like just it, it felt like a system that just was just so like I I don't want to offend anybody, but you know when you like see like those just Chinese knockoff products, right? That's what it felt like. It felt like a complete just Chinese knockoff. Like some random company made some Android device, you know. Um, and they're like, hey, this is the new Neo Geo. Like, it, it, there was no polish anywhere on the system in terms of in terms of like software side of things, right? You know, because the the what this really should have been was okay. Maybe maybe it's not. You know, I mean, you put like a little Wi-Fi chip in it because Wi-Fi chips are really really cheap at this point. You put a Wi-Fi chip into it. You have just some minimal kind of online connectivity to like an online store. You know, you have like an iTunes esque thing where you can you can just purchase all the games digitally from from their servers. You know, you put an SD card into this um, that you download the games directly to that, and then that's that, that's what the system is. You know, I don't know why you, there any of this cartridge garbage was going around. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get it. Like it it should have been you pay a certain amount and they give you credit for like let's say five to ten free games from their from their store you know or however like you can say like a pack like okay like we'll say like you buy the system and then we'll give you these games for free these games, right like these certain ones that we've picked for you because that way you're not getting all the best games um and have it just be that have it just be you, you, you throw an sd card into it it's all it's all done that way or even at absolute worst you plug it into your computer with via usb and it has like some sort of like software on the computer that you do all this through you do all the firmware updates that way. That's how it, this should have been. This should have been like an actual logical, planned out execution of the system. But I was really excited for it, and then I got it. And I mean, it 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 works okay. But on one hand, there is kind of the you know what I've played these games so often at this point, I've rebought them so often at this point, right? That that I mean, you, you talked about the controller, and that is that is fair, but. I actually think like I feel like the the Wii is one of the best ways to kind of get these Neo Geo games now. Um, just because it's like so much easier to buy them, you download to the to the internal memory, and if you have the classic controller, then it's not that bad. I, I yeah, I do. This is I don't I hate to keep stretching this out, opening a new can of worms. Do let me ask you this: Do do you own a classic controller for Wii? I do. Is it the original one that we're going to call for sake of conversation? Is it the more SNES style one? It's it's yeah, kind of the roundy one. Okay, I have one. I bought one a couple months ago, which was not easy to get. Had to do this on Amazon through a seller, and I believe this was a Japanese version. It came in a Japanese box, so I can't imagine that this was some sort. Of, I can't imagine this was a reproduce, which I, I guess is possible. Is your D-pad on yours abominable? I don't think so. 
Now, wait, wait, wait. Okay, no, wait. I'm confused now because which – so – Now, this gets the, tricky. Now, if you go to Amazon, if you were to check me right now from what I'm saying, you might be quick to say, oh, well, I see your problem. There's like $10 knockoffs on there. Is that what it is? Is it, is it a knockoff? No, because I made sure when I went through all those because I don't want that cheap shit. And no, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm saying the one on Amazon, is it, this is a knockoff then? The one I have should not be. No, the one I owned is not is not the one I own should be an official one. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, just just talk for a second. I'll be right back. I'm gonna go grab mine. So hang on. Oh, just that's say, no problem. Say anything. So uh, as we take this moment, Shidoshi is getting his classic controller for some comparison purposes. Then we're gonna get to the bottom of this this sudden emergency. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I see. Okay, so I'm looking at because I found on Amazon for like ten bucks. Yeah, the, the classic controller. But yeah, what, those... I, what I noticed was okay. Wait, something's missing on this. Yeah, like it's missing. You're it. right. Like it's missing a logo or some shit. Yes, and that's what it is. Yeah. So because mine has the actual Wii logo. So yes, I have the official Nintendo original like classic controller thingy. So I guess what they have now. Is it the the? It's the one with like the handles on it, right? That's the classic controller pro. Pro, thing. and that's what they sell now, is what you're saying. Yeah. So, okay. well, this uh, and I'll rapid fire this to you. So, I bought one of those. For, so, for, let's back up. I bought a Wii remote. I got the Mario one, the red one. Uh huh. Now I'll say this. I'll say something positive. The D pad on that thing, great. Yeah. The issue uh, – and when I say great, I mean it responds. Like it does what I need to because I'm playing <laughs> right. like Castlevania on there, some other stuff. Now, for NES, Turbo Graphics, and even Genesis arguably, that thing works fine because those systems, as you know, only have two to three buttons. Right, right. Now, the issue we get into is when we get to Super Nintendo and N64. Right. So this is where I had to go and I'm like, okay, now I need the classic controller and then that snaps into that. So I hunted one down. And I was so thrilled. I got it, unwrapped it. The D-pad on mine for the most part, it works, but it, it, I'm just going to – it's a piece of shit. Interesting. The, the analogs on it are okay. The face buttons are fine. The L and R are shoddy, and the D-pad is shit, which I find hard to believe because Nintendo, to their credit, with that kind of stuff usually does pretty good stuff. So right. now I've invested. So I've got the Wii tablet. Now I have a, a Mario Wiimote, which admittedly is – absolutely fine i have what i believe is an official classic controller which i'm very disappointed in and then i did buy this third party controller which literally looks like an xbox 360 controller mated with the uh, snes controller oh yeah 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 that one i've wound up using the most for, and this is primarily for old classic wii stuff that's better than the other classic controller i have in some ways and then in some ways it's not so it's a cra- it's give and take now, this whole long-winded conversation, this could be solved in a couple ways. I have a Wii U Pro Controller, which I can use for Wii U games and then Wii U Virtual Console stuff. But if I go to the original Wii stuff where the original Wii games are where I've downloaded some stuff because they have classics that aren't on the other shop yet, I can't use the Wii U Pro Controller, the, the black one I've got. Nope, nope. First off, first problem – if I was able to, we would not be having this conversation. Right. The Wii U Pro Controller for that purpose and the D-pad on that one works great. Top 
high quality, but I can't do that. So here's two more interesting things. End of this year just got announced the third party is going to release a controller that's supposed to be pretty high quality that can work for both Wii U and Wii style games. That's one. And then just announced yesterday, Nintendo's going to release an official branded adapter to allow one to use your GameCube controller for the new Super Smash Brothers. Now, I always have to complicate things. Now, wouldn't that be awesome if that adapter and that allowed you to use that controller not only for that, maybe your other Wii U games, and then maybe even with an update, maybe your old Wii stuff too? It'll need an update, absolutely. But we will, yeah, we will definitely see like what that is supported the, by. You know, two ways they can solve this easily for me: do a patch mm-hmm. for the the Wii U Pro controller, and then this all these conversations are over with me. Or with this new adapter, even though it's kind of sucky, because then you need a GameCube controller, which luckily I have one. But if you look on Amazon, unless you find them used around town, if you're looking to get a new one or something like that online, they are not cheap. Hmm. Unless Nintendo starts to maybe put out if they have some more or remanufacture some, but that's another way that we could get solved. But I mean, what a there there is a third option, Anthony. Uh, you, I might know it, and I might have thrown in the <laughs> towel, but I'll listen to you first because I got so sick of buying this shit. Uh, there is a Wii the version of no, there was a Wii version of the Neo Geo arcade stick. You could always get two of those. <laughs> they're they're only a hundred and thirty bucks. Oh, 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 oh. Well, look, something as du- as retarded as that for me would be an option. But here's the problem: the only problem is a lot of the classic stuff I have is like N sixty four and all that. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I yes. mean, but yeah, I mean, such a weird anomaly with the the Nintendo console and it's so shocking because Nintendo over the years was always known for like not only their quality and controllers but like th- like when you get a Nintendo system you know excluding the Wii like the co- having poor controller or, or issues with your control has never been like that's that's not even in one's mind you know what I'll do I will um I'll try my control over the weekend and see because so the thing is, like, I bought mine, like, right first when the Wii came out. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if it was, like, a certain batch or if it was just what. But I I, I feel like I don't remember any issues with the D-pad on mine. So Yeah, I can't remember if it was up or down. But one of those, I might have been down on the D-pad. And, mm-hmm. like, for me to get it to work, like, I have to press on that thing ridiculously. I, I, will, I will try mine and see. But the the only reason it's not total trash for me is because, like, for the N64 games, if I use it, it's not bad. Hmm. But unfortunately, one of the games I downloaded on there on the Wii, because I never had it, I downloaded Sin and Punishment. Oh. And while I don't really need the D-pad for that, the L and R triggers on that thing is shoddy, too. And you need, you need L and R on Sin and Punishment. I'll hmm. tell you that. So yeah, just what a what a pain in the keister. What an unnecessary pain. Wii U Pro Controller, give it credit. While you and I have discussed it in the past for general gaming, it's not perfect. But you know what? Overall, uh, really not bad. And it could solve a lot of problems with a little patch. 
Uh, I don't have any issues with the Wii U Pro Controller uh, in general. It's unfair of me to say this, but like I'm just so frustrated by the fact that all of the Wii Virtual Console stuff just doesn't 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 just straight transfer over. Like you have to boot up like the Wii emulator and then go through there. Yeah, I do know all that kind of stuff. I do know with their upcoming patch, and I'm not sticking up for them. I do know the new boot is supposed to be lightning fast, and I think although I'll probably never use the trick because I won't remember it. I think on boot up, if someone wants to go directly to the Wii menu with this new update, I think you can by holding a certain button or some shit down when it boots. Hmm. But I, I, I just, just kind of wish that, like you know, that if I had a Wii U, I could have that all all that stuff just directly in the um, oh Wii and Wii U interface. Totally you know? agree. I mean, not, I'm not even going to get around that. Yeah, totally. Having, agree. To, having to rebuy, not, it, it's it's not even rebuy though. It's not even that. It's it's this thing Nintendo does where they just dole out these virtual console games, you know? And and my thing is, like, with all the games that are now on the Wii's virtual console, you're sitting, kind of sitting there, like, just waiting for them all to show up again on the Wii U. Yeah, and I don't And that like should it, yeah. not be the case. No. I, I agree. The only reason it wasn't buying it a second double dipping for me is because I never had a Wii. So all this shit that I bought... Over the last year, I just went in through the menu and, and downloaded. But yes, you're complete, my, my, yeah, completely Yeah, my problem right. was, like, I, I did. Like, I, I – that's the one thing I really did on my Wii was buy virtual console games. So I just have, like – I have, you know, NES, Super NES, TurboGrafx, right. Genesis, Neo Geo, Master System, all this kind of stuff. And, and it's I, frustrating to think about. Yeah, and I don't blame it because that was uh, that was one of their strong points. If you had that system and got burnt out, or you know, because they were lacking or whatever in some departments, the virtual console was pretty strong. Yep. You know. Well, you know what? For uh, I was sitting here thinking, I'll probably do like an hour show on <laughs> uh, Neo Geo, and we are almost. This is like boarding a huge podcast length. This is this is almost four hours now. <laughs> So for anybody, for anybody who's missed me putting out long podcasts, well, here, here, you, here you go. This is this is I our think, gift to you. Uh, you know, because I have faith. You know, I think when that day comes, when that when whenever that next warning recording happens, I just have a feeling that that recording is going to be like thirty-seven hours. Yeah, it's going to be like a twenty-four hour show. <laughs> just like that's all it's going to be. It's, it's like we have so much stuff we've missed at this point that we have to make up. And I, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think Double Plus ever gets this long, does it? We've well, that's the magic of uh, we'll say Neil's recording. You oh, know, it's, it's, you know, there's some, not a lot, but there's a few we've done where they've been they've been long. And then that's you know, as you know, our last the last recordings we did were start of January. The last content we put up for audio was in February. Um, we, we, the site just got redone in the last 72 hours. Did it really? Yeah. Neil did it, re-angled it. It's still obviously all gaming, but now it's a little bit more angled for like consulting and trying some different stuff. Oh, look at this. Uh, yeah. Um, trying something a little different. Well, this is fancy. I, I will say this. Because, because, because I, I used to, I actually used to go through and do editing on warning um, I used to like whenever there was like you know kind of pauses or breaks stuff I would mm-hmm. cut those out and everything, and then I just sat there realizing like I am not sitting here and editing a four hour show like this every single time. 
Now, well, well, here's the thing. Like tonight, tonight I feel like is fine because okay, let me explain why. We both went in with the intention of loosey goosey. I maybe swore a few times, but we were pretty clean. You were clean the whole time. So we went in like that's it. We've got a product. It may not be the most beautifully edited, or it's you know it's going to go unedited. Fine. Like I take what you and I do. Like this is fun tonight. It's a test episode. But like if we did something regular, I would take it serious. And and I take this tonight. You know I was on you know good behavior, and I know we went long. I knew we were going to go long. I think my answer to that is that you and James need photos. Oh, oh yeah, for the site. I probably yes. should, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, that's all I can think about because I'm sitting here, I'm listening right. to you, but I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your site and I'm like, you guys need photos. Right, and that we can check. Yeah, that's actually, I saw that too. But no, I mean, you know, like, I, I like, I, you know what, I like this kind of style of podcast, to be honest. I like just getting on here and just recording and talking and then just putting that out. I don't know, like, well, I, because I said, I mean, I've, I've done like the super heavy edited stuff before. And I just feel like something gets lost really easy in that. And, you know, for some for some people, I, I think that, like, they appreciate the kind of more, like, okay, the quiet parts are chopped out, you know, or, or you've cut it down to a certain length. But I don't know. I just, like, I, I feel like I like the, the kind of um, – it really feels like a conversation versus just a produced show kind of. I'll go both style. ways on this. Me doing this tonight is done from the old school in me of like really liking games. Like there there would be no other like there's no angle to this. There's no like, hey, you know, this if some this turned into anything or turned into something, that would be awesome. But that's not this would be done just because whether you know, whether liking you, liking the hobby, whatever. Well, you know, Anthony, speaking of what we like in our hobby. We mustn't forget the wise words of a man who once said when it comes to video game systems and your choices. If you're still playing Sega, NEC, or Nintendo, you're nothing but a weenie. <laughs> if you're playing the incredibly high-powered Neo Geo system, you're a real hot dog. Unbelievable. <laughs> Take us out, Aunt Anthony. Well, until next time, it's going to be bigger, better, and better. Better and better, fine. Bigger, I I don't know. Because (laughs) to a certain point, I I think four hours is a point where uh, you start pushing uh, people's limits Mm. for podcasting. I don't know. I'm always fine with it because um, I like just listen to it in spurts, you know? Right. That's what you know. It winds up coming in handy at my work, so that's why I'm, yeah. you know, in the background. Yeah. Background, but uh, I usually listen. I'm either listening to a few wrestling podcasts or podcast one, or then I'm going to. Uh, I'll go to EGM every now and then for the podcast, and then every once in a blue moon, I will. I will actually catch Smart Video Game Fan. I have. Uh, I've listened to a couple recent episodes. It's it's I mean uh, that's, it's that's not bad. Show. It's not no, a, yeah, yeah. you know it's no, not a it, knock. Yeah. It's just that I'm listening to so much shit. You know what I mean? Yeah 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 yeah. No no. It's it's a it's a it's a fun show because it's like um, that was a weird situation because yeah it was it was actually so the guy I do it with he used to do because he also does a, a wrestling podcast. Joe Negron. Yeah yeah, and he did it with somebody else before, and they were the ones who started uh, the video game podcast that became Smart Video Game Fan. Um, and I just kind of wrote in one time and they, cause I was this when I was back at play 
And so they read my letter, and then they asked me to come on one time as a guest, and I came on as a guest, and then kind of was a, I don't want to say correspondent, but kind of a, not really host, but kind of a guest, a, a re- reoccurring guest on the show for a while. Um, and then him and that guy kind of had a little falling out. And so Joe decided he wanted to keep doing the uh, a video game show of his own. So that's when him and I started. Oh, no shit. Up and did it. And it, it, it's like, it's interesting because it's, um, it is usually weekly. Sometimes we have to have a little bit of a break. Right. Uh, but it's usually weekly. And so it's kind of more of a structured thing because we do like news and then the like sales and what's come out that week and stuff like that. Um, so the structure can be kind of tough sometimes because it's, you have to kind of have like a bunch of show notes, you know, and keep up on everything. And right. Stuff. It's work. It, it's a little bit of, it's work. Yeah. You yeah. know? And that's why, I, I mean, like, uh, you know, with warning, we did have some of that structure of obviously, cause we had, you know, news and, um, I thought that stuff. was structured pretty well, at least, you know what I mean? They, Cause there yeah. were separate sections and stuff. Yeah, separate sections, and and but that was typically like the important part wasn't we're reporting the news; it was more like what we thought of what's going on, right? You know, so. But all right, so that well, I mean, this was a this was a fun time. Yeah, and and uh, hopefully we'll do it again in the future, and then uh, probably once we get past the craziness of E three, we can think about doing a because I mean because we kind of talked about an idea for a second show, I believe. I feel like we had two ideas so far. Oh yeah, you pitched. What was it? It was S and K, and then don't don't say it. Don't say it. Don't don't spoil the surprise. Okay. Don't spoil the surprise. Right. Don't don't make me do more editing. Oh my god. Okay. I have to already do like two cuts, and jeez. You know, right. I'm just I'm so used to just slapping this in a garage band, and just that's it. Hmm. I'll stay quiet. Yes. Yeah, so um, for for Anthony, this is Shidoshi, and this has been our podcast that we have no idea what's called or when we do it or what we do when we do it or why we do it or anything. So that's 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 that right there was actually the full name of the podcast. So after we say it again. Peace out until next time from the mysterious vortex. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.